We are back. It's the Joe Holka Show presented by FanDuel. Pumped for you guys to hear a couple great conversations today. We're going to start with Sigmund Bloom, who's going to tell us what's going on in Tampa Bay and what to expect without Chris Godwin the rest of the season, as well as a couple players that we maybe we've been right about all along in fantasy football, and now it's finally paying off. Then a little bit of an evergreen DFS conversation with Davis Maddock, talking through how to strategize with short slates in DFS, since we've had so many of them lately. Thought that'd be especially interesting for you guys. And then wrapping things up per usual with Ryan Hodge going through our DFS first look for NFL Week 16. I can't believe we made it all the way here so far, guys. Just want to take this chance to thank everyone who's been with us the entire season. All we have for news and notes is we do have a second YouTube channel, so if you haven't subscribed over there yet, definitely do that. There's a link in the description. Going to be giving away a Justin Herbert rookie card once we get to 1K subs. I think we're only a couple hundred away, so we could definitely use your support. Let's just spread things out a little bit and also do a bunch of exclusive short videos that I've been trying to do somewhere. Didn't have a place for it. Now we do. But with that out of the way, let's get right into the episode. It's the Joe Holka Show presented by FanDuel. Post week 15 reveal, reactions, overreactions, everything in between. We're going to help you guys take advantage of where this NFL season is going. There's not much of it left, but uh, not where it was. That is the idea. With us, as always, co-owner footballguys.com. Sigmund Bloom, how was your week 15, man? It seems like one of the more chaotic uh, fantasy playoff weeks that I've seen in recent memory. Is that kind of how you had it, too? Oh, yeah. It matches the rest of the season. Mm -hmm. And there was lots of if you survived, if you survived Jamar Chase, if you survived Najee Harris, if you survived the injuries to the Bucks and Tom Brady. But doesn't that just map to the NFL? It's a war of attrition. The guys who win the Super Bowl for you might not be the guys who got you into the playoffs, but by getting to the playoffs, you have a chance. And as long as you have a chance, you need to keep, keep rubbing two sticks together, stay one step ahead of the competition when you can. And it is rewarding. It's exhausting, but it is rewarding because just like in the NFL, it's hard to win that title. It's hard to keep everything going. And maybe this week your team stepped on a landmine and you survived. Maybe next week it's your opponent that steps on a landmine. So keep hope alive yeah and these kansas city teams that everyone was just waiting for they show up in a right. huge way on like a really i mean weird main slate uh that we haven't seen uh i guess this low scoring across the board for a lot of these studs in a while obviously all the covid stuff now we have we have four games today still or mm -hmm. four games left in this week 15 slate so um i guess what i'd be nervous about is something that's happened to me personally is i think that i have everything in the bag and then uh the last game or whatever it may be like there may be some stuff that happens over the next two days and people are losing their their matchups just on that like that right. that's so rough man and we're not even going to start this next week until like wednesday or so like i'm, I'm all out of sorts sig it's the holidays there's a lot of stuff going on so uh, thanks for being flexible on schedule today too yeah and i think hey this is why they pay us the big bucks right Joe? yeah this is, they, they, this is why they need us or at the very least we're willing to stick our stick our necks out and make a call and i think that again just as it is at the beginning of the season and this year has reminded us this more and more every week that you have to be flexible you have to be willing to abandon what you thought was real and let reality teach you and show you what's real. So then you're not so resistant to playing Amon Ross St. Brown. Mm -hmm. You're not so resistant to thinking that, hey, maybe Craig Reynolds is going to have a solid game. And understanding 
that what was true a few weeks ago might not be true now, including injury situations around the league, all the players going on the COVID list. Uh, it's being willing to adjust to those things that will separate the champions from the runners up. I totally agree. Let's jump right into it today, Sega. I think there's one of the things, I think one of the things that people are going to take away from at least last night is this chaos in Tampa Bay, yeah. right? Like, is there any reason to panic, you think, with all of these injuries? Like, we see them lose, I mean, multiple Pro Bowl wide receivers, right? They lose, they lose Mike Evans to the hamstring injury. They lose right. Chris Godwin to a knee injury. And then later in the game, that's all before the first half, by the way, and then later in the game, we lose Leonard Fournette also, which led us to a lot of targets for Rom Gronkowski, but not a lot happened. And yeah. I mean, the first shutout in the Tom Brady era for Tampa Bay, also just the third time in his entire career he's been shut out. So what do you make of all this stuff in Tampa after last week? Yeah, the first time in 255 games, the first time since wow. his 20s. And so here's some things we can take apart from this. We're going to have a lot of divisional matchups over the next few weeks. Number one, we've already seen these teams play each other once this year in all these cases. Uh, number two, we have a recent history. We can go back as far as the teams have offensive coordinators, defense coordinators, key personnel. And guess what? It wasn't that difficult to see this coming. Now, maybe the injuries were difficult to see coming, but generally the Saints have held Tom Brady down. It had maybe his worst game of his career against the Saints last year. They didn't get shut out. They scored three points in that game, but it was just miserable. Mm -hmm. The other two games, regular season games in the Superdome, uh, Brady was not that efficient or effective. And even in the game that they won in the playoffs, it was more Drew Brees and Jared Cook's errors than Tom Brady carrying the team to a victory. Now, what do you see here? You have matchups, right? Marshawn Lattimore on Mike Evans. Malcolm Jenkins holding down Rob Gronkowski. Normally, that would uh, funnel siphon targets to Chris Godwin and Leonard Fournette. They both get hurt. And then Tom Brady doesn't really have a counterpunch. Now, looking ahead to week 16 against Carolina, you do have a counterpunch. It's Antonio Brown. So this could be Antonio Brown's slate breaker, right? Would we be shocked if he had 12 catches for 200 yards and two touchdowns in this game? Definitely. Now, the big question would be now. And Stephon Gilmore and I think Stephon Gilmore and Antonio Brown were teammates for a brief minute. Uh, but Stephon Gilmore also did a pretty good job on Kyle Pitts earlier this year. So does that mean that Stephon Gilmore, who was teammates with Rob Gronkowski for longer, is Gilmore on Gronkowski? And I think that another thing we need to take away from this is you look ahead to tomorrow's slate, DK Metcalf, it doesn't sound like Tyler Lockett's going to play. He was symptomatic. So I don't think he's going to play. We have to wait until the end of the day to know for sure. And you also have Freddie Swain's banged up. Eskridge is banged up. You don't really see a lot of chemistry between Russell Wilson and Gerald Everett. So it seems like by default, DK Metcalf is going to get a lot of targets. Mm -hmm. He's also probably going to get a lot of Jalen Ramsey who's right. activated from the COVID list. So Rob Gronkowski stands as a warning, especially for DFS players. In regular fantasy football, you're just going to go down with the ship however it goes. But in DFS, you're looking at DK Metcalf as maybe the most important decision of your Tuesday slate games as the two games will be played simultaneously. Uh, because, yes, he's likely to get a lot of targets by default. Will they be efficient targets? Will they be productive targets? And, again, we can look back at the history of Ramsey and Metcalf, et cetera. But Rob Gronkowski last night is a warning to not necessarily chase targets because it has to be converted to production to matter. Yeah, what do you make of the the Gronkowski stuff in general, right? Like 11 targets in this game. Like the, I think he came down with only two catches, right? Or something right. like something like that. So, I mean, obviously, like you said, there wasn't the counterpunch like Tyler Johnson out there, uh, Jalen Darden, I mean, Miller, all those guys. Like Miller was a healthy scratch the week before, right? So, right. I mean, obviously, completely different scenario, but we'll see what happens to the run game. Uh, Fournette isn't able to go. Like this is a, I mean, 
I mean, for Tampa in general, I'm, I'm slightly nervous, even though we've seen them struggle right. uh, against the Saints before. But for Gronk in particular, like, do you think he comes back and rebounds here? It, it depends on Stephon Gilmore. Yeah. It depends okay. on, we have to look at Phil Snow. I think he's the defensive coordinator from Matt Rule, go back to their Baylor days. And just again, the fact that Gilmore was on Kyle Pitts. Now, that was when Gilmore was only playing like 20 snaps a game when he first mm-hmm. joined the team. But it sure seems to me, especially after watching again what Malcolm Jenkins did, uh, you know, I don't think Jeremy Chin is that guy. You know, he he's a, a defensive impact player, but not someone who can mirror a receiver, has necessarily the length and the ball skills that Stephon Gilmore has. Maybe also we need to look at Ronald Jones, mm-hmm. who, who in some ways can lead into another thing we want to talk about today, which are players with fresh legs at the end of the season. Saw him against the Saints, very good run defense last night, looking strong, swift, ready for action. And if this if the Bucks had actually been able to prepare, knowing they weren't going to have their top three targets for Tom Brady. Remember, Giovanni Bernard also out. Right. That's he he's a player that could have been an outlet and could have been a good struggle target, as my Siamese cat is <laughs> making sure to know. Uh, at her input to the show. Um, so, you know, by default, maybe this is Ronald Jones getting 20 carries. Maybe this is Ronald Jones against a tired Panthers defense that just made Devin Singletary look pretty good. Devin Singletary had uh, a very strong game. Anybody who played him in DFS last week, yesterday, is happy. So maybe it's Ronald Jones. Uh, and you do have to think that Bruce Arians, we saw this earlier this year against the Colts, where the Colts were able to take away the downfield passing and what did they do? They went to a lot of Leonard Fournette. I believe that was his four touchdown game. Mm-hmm. Not going to say four touchdowns for Ronald Jones, but I am going to make sure if I'm building DFS lineups to dabble and include some Ronald Jones uh, against the Panthers. Yeah, we'll get into some of that fresh leg stuff. Uh, but before we move on, I am super excited to tell you guys about the second YouTube channel for the Joe Holka Show. Uh, so you guys to definitely subscribe over there immediately. Going to be rolling out a bunch more clips from the guests, exclusive picks. Uh, once things kind of settle down from the holidays, you're going to start seeing a lot more stuff over there uh, down the stretch. So uh, there's going to be some stuff that you won't be able to find anywhere else. Um, so make sure you subscribe. Uh, transitioning over to our next topic, Sig, if this NFL season has taught us anything it's that sometimes we're actually right about the fantasy players that we think are underutilized or being yeah. i guess underappreciated right so we've seen some difference makers here down the stretch uh, of course we've seen what cordero patterson has been doing all year but this past week guys like duke johnson even reynolds who you mentioned before donta foreman johnson jackson like there's all of these guys right that are making a big difference for people's teams so what do you make of all this yeah maybe we'll add some ajp ryan to that list depending on what we hear yeah from, about joe mixon uh but I think what you make out of this, first of all, is that the talent at running back, yes, there are uber talented running backs, right? Jonathan Taylor, the latest. There are running backs that add so much value to their touches that they really stand out from the pack. Uh, And then there are running backs that, with their versatile skill set, add value, like Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, uh, that separate them from the pack. But otherwise, I think that the difference between a starting quality running back and a street free agent is not nearly as wide at running back as it is at other positions. If you have to plug in a street free agent left tackle, you have to plug in a street free agent at cornerback. Oof. Yeah. A street free agent at running back. Totally different. Might be just, might be just fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that we need to translate that for our DFS and our fantasy strategies that, again, this is why running backs don't matter, right? Because the running back production is created by the scheme. It's created by the execution. San Francisco showing us this. Uh, so I think that is something we have to be open to. So when we look at, for instance, we're going to wait and see on Jamal Williams and the, whether he's activated from the COVID list. But if Craig Reynolds is the starter against Atlanta and this Detroit team, you know they're getting the taste for wins. They, they yeah. like it. They don't care about draft position, and they shouldn't. 
Dan Campbell's doing everything the right way over there. So Craig Reynolds is somebody that I don't think most of us even knew. Cutstown. Yeah. Andre exactly. Reed, right? Finally, another Cutstown player that matters. Uh, he might matter for DFS lineups. Uh, likewise, Duke Johnson returned to Miami. And that's one of the things I think is a key narrative street back here. But he went, to, he grew up in Miami. He went to high school in Miami. He played his college ball in Miami. Finally get an opportunity to play in the Aqua and Coral. And first 20 carry game, first 100 yard game, first two rushing touchdown game. Why not? This team has been hungry to establish the run. Now, this week against the Saints might be a little tough because the Saints have a, a tough run defense. But looking ahead, I think they play Tennessee. Uh, this team is pushing for the playoffs, trying to win nine straight and make the playoffs uh, and put together one of the better stories. They finished with New England. So why not Duke Johnson? Uh, and whoever it is that you carry a torch for, you know, I would say odd and take, whoever it is that yeah. you carry a torch for, this is the football guy reminding us, don't give up. Keep Everyone's got their guys. I feel like somewhere Ian Hardis is smiling as well. He's yes. got his C-pad stuff. That's been, I mean, he's taken that victory lap the whole year, but he's always been a Duke Johnson guy too, man. So yeah. uh, shout out to Ian. Love that guy. Uh, Sig, before we get you out of here, we do have a little bit of breaking news that I want to throw at you. This okay. Chris Godwin injury was uh, yeah. much uh, worse than we thought. He's actually going to be out for the year with a torn ACL. We got Rapshi tweeting this out about three, about 10 minutes ago now. Uh, so any uh, initial reactions? Uh, Chris Godwin done for the year. My initial reaction is I feel for him because yeah. he's going into free agency and when free agency opens, which isn't that long from now, Joe, like three right. months from now, <laughs> um, and teams are going to have more cap room. Uh, so teams are going to be ready to spend. And Chris Godwin was going to get his generational wealth paycheck. Now, he got a really good paycheck this year on the franchise tag. Don't get me wrong. But what players are really looking for is that 30, 40, 50 million dollars guaranteed. He's earned it. But now he's not even going to be able to work out or show his health for the team. Now, ACL surgery is a little more routine now in so much as any major surgery is routine. Um, but I think we were looking at Godwin as almost certainly not getting a second franchise tag, not coming mm -hmm. back to Tampa Bay. And maybe this uh, makes it so he has to do something like that one-year, $10 million deal. Who has the faith to take that leap? to sign him. Uh, Tyler Johnson's been very disappointing. He was the direct backup, really, in the slot. That Bruce Arian slot position has not been good to him as far as production. Uh, so I think that, again, from a, from a football standpoint, I just feel for, for Chris Godwin looking for that security. And, of course, we all can always look ahead to 2022. We have great stories coming up at quarterback. We have a lot of players that are going to get paid after not getting paid this year. Unfortunately, Godwin might not be one of them. So rough. You feel for a guy like that, an injury at the worst possible time, especially the contract years. I didn't realize it was a franchise tag. That totally slipped my mind. So that's uh, that's super rough. Uh, so we definitely wish him the best, uh, even just going into my first season of college SIG, like that was coming mm -hmm. off of a surgery. So like getting back is one thing. Getting back. So one thing that I learned through that is getting back after an injury when you're cleared is much different when than getting back and you actually being 100%, being explosive, yeah. all of those things, right? So he'll get back, and obviously they're doing so much uh, great work with ACLs at this point. It's not definitely a career type of, uh, I guess, issue here. But, man, like by the time he's like explosive and for a wide receiver making cuts and feeling really, uh, really good about that knee, we might not see Chris Godwin uh, looking at his top form, uh, I guess, right out of the gates and coming to a new team, nef never an right. easy thing to do easily so um yeah that's tough uh anything else uh sig before we get you out of here 
No, I just, I, I hope, that, I will say this, uh, unlike some of the other weeks, there were some very satisfying outcomes, right? Watching the Lions beat the Cardinals was very satisfying. Not for me. Watching, <laughs> well, I understand what you're saying. Hey, hey, if the Cardinals win the Super Bowl this year, they need to send a fruit basket for Dan Campbell. You need losses team. like this. Te- good teams yeah. need losses yes. like this, I think. Yes. I'm, I'm definitely Absolutely. on board with that. Yeah. The Saints put one on the Bucks last year that turned their season around. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you need along the way a team to show you you ain't nothing. Mm-hmm. And obviously, the Cardinals went in maybe a little bit slack with their gloves down in the ring, and they got their kneecaps bit off. Uh, so you know this, what the Saints did to Tom Brady. I think it's just in the plot. It's just not as interesting to watch Tom Brady continue to be great as it is to watch him be humbled. The Steelers. Staying alive, rubbing two sticks together, winning ugly. That certainly is close to my heart. Uh, it's certainly why the Packers-Ravens game was a classic. Tyler Huntley is growing up before our very eyes. So that's one of the other things about this. While we can mourn for Chris Godwin, uh, we can also say there are players like Craig Reynolds, like Tyler Huntley, that are getting opportunities and changing their lives by what they're able to do with these opportunities. Sigmund Bloom, everyone, make sure you guys check out all the content over at footballguys.com down the stretch. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on that does, even if your season is over, there's plenty of stuff to keep you busy, of course. Uh, make sure you follow Sig on Twitter at Sigmund Bloom. Sig, have a great holiday, man. I appreciate all of this, uh, and uh, we'll see you soon. I don't know when it's going to be, but we'll see you soon. A happy, safe holiday to everybody out there. Before we get back at it, I want to thank the presenting sponsor, FanDuel, for all the support this year. New FanDuel players, listen up. Your day's about to get 20% better with a bonus on your first deposit, up to $500 for free. All you have to do is claim it by visiting FanDuel.com Holka. First, that link does support the channel, so thank you. And even if you are not a first-time player, it would mean the world if you give FanDuel another go this week and start that process through my link. That's FanDuel.com Holka to claim your bonus and start playing today. It'll bring you right to our $5 three-entry max listener league contest. That one I will be reviewing every week on stream quite honestly one of the best places you can put your money in all of dfs because it's completely rake free there's a whole lot of nfl action left this season so make sure you join our community over on FanDuel. pick a lineup stay under the salary cap and see where your team stacks up against the competition they've got a ton of different game formats between main slate and single game contests you can even set up private contests with your friends to experience season-long wins without season-long waits by joining the five dollar listener league or making your first deposit through fanduel.com holka the official daily fantasy sports partner of the joe holka show age and local restrictions apply bonus is used as a non-refundable site credit that expires after 30 days it's the joe holka show presented by FanDuel. It's our key takeaways from NFL Week 15, dissecting what just happened, and more importantly, what actually matters going forward in fantasy football, DFS, and betting. I'm not sure about our next guest, but I'm uh, pretty much done tilting the results from uh, Week 15, ready to move on. Joining us, as always, from the Soulcast, the TakeCast, and SportsGrid, of course, Davis Maddock. How are we living, bro? You know, we are uh, we're doing our best. I've been uh, adjusting the projections like crazy as we try to deal with uh, the minefield of of all these injuries and, and COVID situations and everything. And I guess uh, it just it just it feels feels a lot like uh, 2020 right now with uh, with all this stuff. But, um, you know, we're uh, by and large, we're, we're making it. Yeah, uh, there's, there's worse things than having football basically every day of the week. Uh, there's not many worse things when it comes to trying to do content for every day of the week, uh, which was kind of rough last week. Did a bunch of stuff that I basically had to either completely just throw in the garbage or uh, move uh, to different days of the week so that was pretty rough how, how did you like uh i guess navigate throughout the slate like neither one of us are really building lineups until probably sunday morning anyways but man it was weird that like basically the entire week was pretty much worthless from like a uh i mean really a strategy perspective a pre- preparation perspective and then all the huntley stuff basically comes in and wins anyway right so what are we doing here 
Yeah, I mean, I, I feel uh, I feel really dumb for uh, for not being more on uh, on Huntley. He was just mm -hmm. like such my brand of player. Uh, didn't didn't get there, you know the the Huntley Mark Andrews stuff. But I I thought the thing that was like m that most kind of threw me off is just spending so much of the week thinking like, okay, I don't care how uh, chalky Cooper Cup is gonna be on the main slate. And also kind of, you know, in the back of my mind, I've been thinking this whole time that Sony is just going to take this the, the good work away from Daryl Henderson, uh, particularly the goal line work. And then also thinking that A.J. Dillon was just going to get loads of carries, you know, with the Packers up by 10 at, at home in Lambeau. And so it just it just didn't work out. I mean, my 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 main team was a Dak double stack. He, you know, he threw for like 200 yards. The right. Cowboys. What, how how bummer are the Cowboys right now? Like all the CD drops in. too, man. It was there was so much yes. of that game that was tilting, man. And it, it seemed like Dak was like going to be one of the like the sharper tournament plays. Did you play him in cash though? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I did. I played him in cash and uh, felt just insanely stupid as they're you know handing the ball off to Zeke on every first down in the second half because it doesn't even matter. They just like they the Cowboys right now. They just don't care about scoring points. Like they really don't. They, yeah. They're like, if we get to twenty, you're not going to score twenty against us. So that's really all we need to do. And it is a gigantic bummer. Yeah, we have like all of these like things in the back of our head of like these DAC doubles like getting there and having all this upside. And then yeah, I mean uh, it gets to the point where they they're just trying to win games, which I guess uh, is I mean I guess good for them. That's what uh, they're paid to do, but uh, not great for us. So uh, we're gonna do things slightly different today we're going to keep this a little bit more evergreen i've done enough tilting davis I, I don't know about you i don't really need to talk about the slate anymore uh it was one of those slates though where i was tilting results not necessarily process there's really not much i would do differently i think maybe a few things but uh if anyone wants to hear uh, my full breakdown of tilt uh i went off a few times on the tilt space last night so pretty easy to find uh all right so let's uh let's jump right into it i, I do think that one of the things that has impacted at least my strategy going forward is trying to do a lot more of the small slates it's hard to carve out the time but there's really no doubt that they are extremely plus ev and between the COVID implications the holidays we're going to see a lot of these main slates get broken up into smaller short slates anyway so we talked about it a lot in the off season i wrote a bunch of twitter threads about how i was approaching these but davis i love these slates for a lot of reasons but curious kind of where you stand on them so i think short slates are fascinating because they're sort of related to how we think about showdown but it's actually a little bit different. So like a, like a showdown slate, like Trey McKitty, if he's $200, one catch for seven yards can be like a huge slate swinger, right? Mm -hmm. And mains, uh, like, like two game, three game, four game slates kind of work like that, but actually it kind of works in the reverse. It's more about which high price players can fail. So like, you know, can... Uh, $8,000 running back X get eight points here. Can can Dalvin Cook, can Nick Chubb, can Alvin Kamara, can Jonathan Taylor, can those guys actually bail, uh, you know, and be really bad? And then then it becomes about, okay, well, is there a, is there a Devin Singletary? Is there a third down back? You know, a, a Kenyon Drake, to, I guess Kenyon Drake has a broken ankle, but, you know, just someone like that. A Nikeem Hines, right? A guy who can randomly chip in with 11 at, you know, uh, at $5,000 on FanDuel that changes the the optimal roster construction for a slate and also you know in showdown you don't really have to fade the chalk True. you know like or, or or single game on FanDuel you like you actually probably want to get overweight on the best possible plays that's actually the better way to approach the single game stuff whereas uh in in two game slates you're actually being forced to wake way more painful decisions especially yeah. in the stuff you and I like which is lower entries higher dollar um 
And, and you're just being forced to be like, well, I'm just not playing Tyreek Hill on this two-game slate, and he's going to be 70% owned, and my slate can be over in one drive. You know, if Tyreek scores a 70-yard touchdown, that's it. You're dust. Yeah, I was uh, bringing up this thread from the offseason because one of the things that you just kind of alluded to, it's like really easy to identify the top leverage spot on a slate anyway, um, but like especially these really small slates, right? So the probability of like what's most likely to happen, I think people are are much too confident with that sort of thing when things are especially going to condense on the chalk. Very few pass. Like some of these, like obviously this slate that we just went through, Davis, there wasn't a lot of like really fantastic stacking opportunities, but you'll see like some of these games that just really stand out on these shorter slates. So that's definitely a huge edge. One of the other things that I, I kind of wanted to talk about too is like, I think just like, outside of like the Thanksgiving slate, fewer people care about these short slates in general, right? Yes. Because the prize pools are much smaller. There's a lot less cash game action, which I'm sure you can speak to. And people are lazy, man. Like, like give me to the couch, the bar, wherever you're going to be watching these games. And there's a lot less like good content picks, whatever it may be stuff to consume out there that can help you with these smaller slates. So it, it's good in theory. I haven't done a good enough job at prioritizing this. There's some days where I'll, I'll start to, to build us a, uh, a 4 PM only lineup. And it's like, all right, like I've been at this since like 5 AM. I'm going to, go do something else but uh have you done a pretty good job at like attacking these like i i probably need to do better because it is a really good spot regardless of the results right yeah no you're you're absolutely right i mean the the thanksgiving day content i mean ev whatever your fantasy site is they they have a premium write-up uh they, they'll have a show you know and then we're like what we have we have two days on uh, we have two days on Christmas, right, or two games on Christmas, and uh, there are games on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, one of the two. And, like, you know, there will be 20K up top, 30K up top, you know, 10K up top in, in some single-entry contest, and the, the content and, like, uh, you know, stuff is just not going to be there. Now, there will be tools for, you know, leverage and simulations and yep. everything, but people, you know, I mean, we've been doing this a long time. People, uh, they, they like the tools, but what they really like is being told the answers to the test. And that right. stuff really influences ownership and really influences roster construction. And if there's less of that, the field will generally be a little bit less sharp, which I think is, is really interesting. And that is why, um, you know, using the tools and you like using whatever available simulations and leverage tools you have, I think is really, really important on those shorter slates. Yeah, it's not going to be even like that uncommon to see some of these players reach like 70 plus percent ownership in some of these short slates, especially in the smaller field GPPs, Davis. So like, I, I do think that it's kind of like strategy wise, like I, I like the, the correlation to single slate or to single game and to showdown stuff, but also like the single entry through max contests that we're playing, it's just kind of on steroids, right? Like the best plays are just vaulted up. Up so high ownership wise, but then you can kind of identify what the main leverage point is overall, which I think is is a pretty decent opportunity um, from that perspective. But uh, before we move on to uh, the last point that I kind of wanted to talk about with short slates, I want to make sure that everyone out there would consider subscribing to the second YouTube channel. There's a link in the description for that. I'm actually going to be giving away a Justin Herbert rookie card once we hit 1K subs, so make sure you guys don't miss out on that. But Davis, one of the things that I think is kind of interesting for the short slates is how to really attack correlation and stacking. Because like I said, if you can take a stand on just one single outcome, one game, one team, whatever it may be, like I think that the onslaughts are very encouraged uh, even more um, than normal on these shorter slates. Because if you can just pick the team that goes nuclear and a couple other ones maybe uh, underperform a little bit, that pie in which everyone eats 
there's really fewer decisions to be made at that point because you don't need like the the one-off player from some of these other games then just pick that kind of parlay it's almost just like uh our strategy on steroids a little bit for smaller field stuff i think really plays well to my strategy on shorter slates as well but how are you approaching stacking in some of these short slates yeah no 100 percent. like the over stacking like your your bank with that minnesota green bay game that is like even more of a viable strategy on two three four games smaller slates because you know, just the the probability suggests, you know, one of the games is going to be really ugly, especially this year. I mean, how many ugly, ugly games have we had? And if right. you happen to be stacking the game that is 38-31 that goes to overtime that, you know, uh, you know, just happens to be the game that goes way over in terms of like pass rate over expectation, the, the third wide receiver in that game or like the seventh highest fantasy score in that game might end up being in the optimal lineup, you know, just due to a, a confabulation of, of price and, and, you know, overall scoring environment. So, you know, if they're, especially by the way, if it's a game that seems kind of ugly on the surface and mm -hmm. that makes it, you know, way lower, like we'll, we'll totally get this in the playoffs, right? Where yep. like that, whatever the early AFC game is, uh, you know, uh, Patriots, whoever, right. Patriots Bengals or something. If I don't even know if that's possible to see me, I'm just making it up, <laughs> yeah. but the, the early playoff, the early AFC playoff game, it used to be like the Andy Dalton, uh, Houston Texans Memorial game. That game mm -hmm. would always is always going to be super low owned. And if it just happens to be the game that goes way over, you're getting massive leverage on the field. Probably the best advice though, like just holistically for short slates is we, we talk, I mean, we've definitely talked about this. You just really got to not be afraid of losing, but your odds of winning uh, and your odds of creating like unique good lineups are so low anyways, that just really focusing on like the best unique angles and just being like, well, I'm just going to fade this 83% owned running back because you know, the entire field is saying, I don't see any way this guy fails is like, it's just very clearly an edge, I think. Yeah, I think one of the things you mentioned, obviously, the order of the games really matters. We'll probably get into that uh, a lot more as we approach the playoffs. But I think just from a stacking perspective, like just getting a little bit different in your stacks, like not being scared to play a running back in your stacks, not being scared to play that really cheap defense with your quarterback, like all that stuff kind of goes out the window and actually can differentiate your lineups a little bit more as well. And I, I think one of the things that um, I'm trying to do in at least some of these is just identify the one really popular play in a stack. So if you find a slate, just, let's just say, for example, it's Cole Beasley is just going to be the massive chalk. Like he's going to be in some of these shorter slates going to be like 50% owned. And then you have like a direct pivot that maybe plays a similar role to Beasley or kind of the short to intermediate game. Maybe Dawson Knox can be like 5%. I'm just like throwing these out of thin air, obviously. But I think if you can find the highest owned player of a stack and just pivot that to how does that player fail? And then you add the other guy to the stack instead. That's another way to kind of leverage um, and really just differentiate yourself. Cause that's what you're looking for, right? Like it's not going to be uh, hard to identify like the, the game to overstack. A lot of times you can get involved in those, uh, those kind of grosser stacks, but I, I like the strategy of still going after the best stack and just really fading that high owned wide receiver or whoever it may be. Would you agree with that? I mean, 100%, right? Uh, or, or you know, the, the great example is like, okay, so let's let's set up an NFC-AFC conference championship game. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's Chiefs Chargers on one side. So everyone's like, all right, I got Tyreek. I got Keenan Allen. I got Mike Williams. I got, you know, Justin Herbert. And then you're like, okay, well, I'm going to not play Keenan Allen and I'm going to play Jalen Guyton and I'm not going to play Travis Kelsey. I'm going to play... 
you know, Byron Pringle or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, that, that is a, a great way to create leverage or, or, or on, uh, on the other side, you know, Cowboys Buccaneers ends up being the, uh, the, the playoff game. And, and I know Chris Godwin is hurt right now, but let's say Chris Godwin gets back for this theoretical game. I mean, it's like tout bingo at this point to be yeah. like, play Mike Evans instead of Chris Godwin, you know, ev- like everyone knows, like, it's so funny though. Everyone knows this. Everyone who like has put any effort into DFS at this point this season knows that when the Buccaneers are chalk, you play Mike Evans, he'll be half the ownership of Chris Godwin and basically has like double the touchdown, um, you know, uh, upside that Godwin does. Godwin will get more receptions, but it doesn't matter. You know that going into the slate and people are still going to play Godwin at, you know, whatever, 45% ownership in that two game theoretical slate that I just invented. Yeah. And if you're playing or if you're paying attention to any of the strategy stuff that we've been talking about for years at this point, like uh, another thing you can do is just leave salary on the table, right? Like it's something we talk about with showdown Huge. stuff all the time, but that's got to be a thing in short slates too, right? Like literally just defer, like to use that same example I had before, maybe Cole Beasley's 5,500, but you can get Dawson Knox at 4,200. Again, just making up numbers. Like I'm totally fine just leaving that salary on the table. Would you do that as well? Yeah. Or, or, uh, you know, playing the third wide receiver instead of the second wide receiver or um leaving leaving your flex i mean this is goes right up your alley in terms of content but like just leaving your flex spot open Mm -hmm. and just being like i don't care who it is i don't care what salary i they are i'm just going to make the best option at that point so if your your lineup is ahead you you play cole beasley if your lineup is behind play dawson knox if your lineup is really really behind play isaiah mckenzie like that is that's like the the right way to approach it and i don't i you know i mean we have this data like people on on fanduel and other sites like they're just not using late swap to the full capabilities most people set it and forget it yeah it's the it's the easier thing to do that's for sure uh that's all i got for this davis uh, make sure everyone follows davis on twitter at davis maddox subscribe to the take cast hope you have a great christmas my man i know we've got you out of here a little bit shorter today but i wanted to do something evergreen instead of just completely tilting from this past week man so i appreciate it yeah it's a good a good forward thinking mindset i think is going to work for all of us right now as we just try to do, i mean there's just so much crap to deal with in the world of fantasy sports right now it's 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 insane. So I, yeah, I am all good being forward thinking. Good stuff, man. Enjoy the the four games left of this slate uh, before I guess the four game slate of uh, this week. And then we'll get into just the chaos that is uh, the holidays, man. So uh, have a great holiday. We'll see you later. Beautiful. See you soon, bud. Yeah. Want to take a second to thank our exclusive memorabilia partner, Pristine Auction, a website that auctions off a ton of insanely cool sports memorabilia each and every day with items starting at just $1. There's thousands of auctions ending daily. So some of the crazy deals that you'll see actually pretty common, whether it's a daily auction, a weekly auction, doesn't matter. The marketplace is open 24 hours with no reserves. Also, all of these autographed items are guaranteed authentic, so you never have to worry about that. I do have a registration code, so make sure you enter code HOLKA when you first sign up. It's good for $10 off your first purchase, but more importantly, you're eligible for the weekly giveaways from the mystery unboxings, but only if you're fully registered at Pristine Auctions, so hopefully it's with code HOLKA because it supports the channel, so thank you, and let's get back to the show. It's the Joe Holka Show presented by FanDuel. It's our DFS first look at NFL Week 16, a true reaction of pricing inefficiencies and how we see ownership shaking out as we transition into a new week. We'll build a first look lineup at the end, so make sure you guys stick around. Special surprise for you guys at the end, uh, so you're definitely going to want to hear what that is. Uh, I say we because, of course, we're back with my buddy from Fantasy Labs, Ryan Hodge. 
Hodge, how we doing, man? Hey, what's up, Joe? How are you, man? How was the weekend? How was FFWC or FWFBC? I don't know. One of the FC championships. Yeah, the, the live finals, man. They're, they're, I wasn't at this one, so it was a little bit of a different feel. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'm ready to move on to week 16. Is how is how it went. So, uh, uh, yeah, man. I know you've been uh, you've been grinding in a bunch of different areas, man. So I appreciate you being flexible again on time. It's the holidays, so we got to try and get the content out and hope that it doesn't uh, basically be completely worthless within hours, like a bunch of stuff happened last week so let's not let's not do that let's try and get through at least our first look sound good yeah absolutely all right let's do it let's jump right into it today and we're going to start with the quarterback position it is my true first look at pricing so uh let's move over here at quarterback we have patrick mahomes on the main slate 8700 for patrick mahomes we'll see if he can run it back after that explosion that they had last week josh allen tom brady tom brady without godwin who we just found out uh pretty quickly before we uh, went live here that Godwin's going to be done for the year with a torn ACL. We'll see if we can get Evans back that hamstring injury, I believe for him, which is always kind of scary, but Antonio Brown just walking in uh, to a pretty large target share out of the gate, mm -hmm. potentially and Gronk. So that's kind of interesting at Carolina there, Justin Herbert at Houston at 8,400. They priced him up significantly for that matchup. We have uh, obviously Matthew Stafford at Minnesota is kind of an interesting uh, game environment as well. I bet the total's pretty high on that one. Wouldn't you say, Hodge, this uh, this Rams-Vikings game? Yeah, probably. I mean, yeah. I could I could definitely be, see it being one of the the higher totals or like a top three for the, the mm -hmm. slate. As we continue to go down here, the first thing that stands out to me is actually Tyler Huntley at $7,500. I was just going to ask you about that. So like, we, do we think that they're just going to kind of continue? I mean, with how Huntley played, do you think that they'll give Lamar another week with that ankle? Yeah, why not? Yeah, might as well. I mean... He looked pretty good. Tyler Huntley's like basically playing for like uh he's playing to secure the bag at this point, right? If he keeps doing this, yeah, someone someone's gonna sign him. So. Contract. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm playing. I mean, I'm I'm all about that. Hopefully he can continue to play well. Kirk Cousins on the other side of that Rams game at seventy three hundred. Um I we don't know, I guess, what's gonna happen with Adam Thielen. I would assume that there's a chance that he'll be back for this one, but we'll we'll see. Um what else we got? Cam Newton against Tampa Bay, seventy two hundred. I'm just seeing if there's anything down here. That really stands out on the cheaper side of things. I, I just Cam like Cam does. I, you like I Cam? Know. I mean, he's he's not absolutely cheap, but I just think like I think Tampa Bay. You can you can expose Tampa Bay in, in certain areas, and and if he really is going to get ten plus rushing attempts, uh, and and in a game where you know he he might be playing from one to to two and a half possessions behind all game, just depending on which Tampa Bay shows up. I think Cam is is intriguing uh, at seventy two hundred dollars. I'd probably prefer uh, closer to the seven K or like sixty eight or sixty nine. But uh, he's he's the first one. Like I would play Cam over Huntley. I think. Would you play Cam um, but, over Joe Burrow? I think that's the one down there that I would prefer against Baltimore. Right, like just because of the big play upside, and you get guys like T and Chase going yeah. down like deep down the field, and that that seems like a pretty good spot too. But I don't. I I could be talked into Cam probably. Yeah, I, th I think from a from a tournament aspect, I would definitely play Joe. It's much much easier to get full upside with T Higgins mm -hmm. and and Jamar Chase in that offense, where with Cam. Uh, it stacking cam is definitely a little bit more difficult because of those 10 to 15 rush attempts. Yeah. You're automatically just excluding so, so much upside from your receivers. Yeah. And Justin Fields is in that range. Also another 74 rushing yards last week. He's, I mean, he's really kind of turned it on recently. Um, he's looking like he may potentially have hope, I guess there was times this year where we thought he was going to be absolute dust uh, against Seattle. Maybe that one ends up playing a little bit slower pace though we will see let's move on to the running back position quarterback's always one that i want to see some things shake out a little bit 
Um, we Yo, did get. The, go ahead. Sorry, the the Tuesday game. That's Rams and 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 Seattle. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So just just worth noting as you're digesting this slate, yeah, short those week. those teams coming on a short off off a short week. Good call. Um, and then I did see earlier in the chat. I hope this is true because I'm about to say it that Austin Eckler was put on the COVID list. Is that is that uh fake news? Is that true news? I have no idea. But uh, 9400. He's the most expensive running back on the slate by a mile. So I'm going to check that quickly wow. because I feel like that's relevant. Yeah, that's that's super relevant. Um, because you have yep Josh Kelly at 4900 and. Eckler, Linza, and Joey Bosa on the COVID-19 list. So wow. we will see. how. So I guess it depends on their status, I believe. But like, how quickly can these guys come back to playing after being put on the, the list? That doesn't mean they tested positive. It just means that they're... Dude, I don't even know at this point. Does that mean it's a close contact? Like, How do you get put on this list? I haven't been paying attention to it unless he's there. Literally, it's going to be out. Yeah, it's so I, I think it's, it's close contact or have symptoms or tested positive. I think you can end up on that list in, in all different facets. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, look, something happening on a Monday definitely means that he could be right back involved come Sunday, though. Uh, yeah. It's absolutely worth monitoring, though, because you do have uh, two very, very cheap running backs there. I think I prefer the the Joshua Kelly side of it. Just if we look at, like, mm-hmm. workload with Eckler involved, uh, I, I feel I, – I don't, I don't know. I would, I would actually have to go – to go really look at some splits 4900 if it opens up but uh yeah that'll be a later in the week thing we probably have to decide between uh i would imagine that Fournette it will not be in so like my first i wanted to see what ronald jones's price was uh 5400 ronald jones against carolina so that's mm-hmm. going to be probably a salary saver that a lot of people gravitate towards uh and maybe even samashe Ryan, man because if joe mixon yep, is going to yep. be banged up as Mixon's well he's yeah. 6200 so he's a little bit more expensive um than ronald jones but both of those guys like there's gonna be there's gonna be value like right off the hop at running back that we're gonna find here so it's a little bit harder to justify going all the way up to like a Najee harris at 8400 dalvin cook against the rams like just kind of a tough spot overall um Najee harris has just been so inefficient man i'm sure it has a lot to do with just the offense as a whole and just like the offensive line and all of that uh the volume's been there man but like what good is the volume if he's gonna have like two yards per carry man it's rough what do you th- what do you think Pittsburgh implied team total is on the road here? Because like I just Ooh. it's it's gonna it, the the touchdown equity is like oh ninety percent snap rate oh the goal line touches but it's like yeah. dude you don't have any touchdown equity when your team can't sustain a drive like we've been talking about that with Najee for such a long time so uh, look Kansas City can be exploited you know by running backs but I, mean- I think you got to have a at least a league average offensive line. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't I haven't taken a look at the at FanDuel Sportsbook and the odds yet, but I would imagine this one's probably pretty close to like a double digit spread. Am I being dramatic with that? No, I don't think so. Ten and a half sounds like real, real yeah. perfect. Interesting. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I I mean I'm I'm definitely uh such a donkey when it when it comes to to making to setting lines, but like I, there's just no touchdown equity here with well, sorry, there's obviously touchdown equity, but mm-hmm. not not at this price point. Like mm-hmm. I'm out. James Robinson, 8,200. They did not uh, hesitate to price him up, but it's the Jets. Um, so people are going to be interested in that one, I would imagine. Let's keep scrolling down here and mm-hmm. see if anything kind of stands out. Uh, both these Rams guys, I hate that they're just like literally pricing these guys right next to each other now. They're like, don't <laughs> yeah. care. Just like, if they're, 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 just pick one. Uh, Josh Jacobs, 6,800. Man, there's just so many injuries at this point of the year. Also, we'll see if we get Melvin. Man, same thing with the Denver guys. Melvin Gordon, Javante, same price, yep. both 6,300. Yep. Like, they just like don't care about pricing anymore. They're just not even going to try. This is interesting. No. Um, Michael Carter, 58. Uh, after his failure against Jacksonville, maybe could see going back to him. But I mean, there just seems like there's so many 
different bodies in some of these backfields now. I'm completely spooked off of um, all the Miami stuff, so I'm glad that they're not on this slate anymore. Um, I don't see anything else down here. I think Ronald Jones and then some, uh, Rojo, potentially yeah. potentially P. Ryan would be the, the salary savers for me. But anything else at running back? No, I, I do think we'll get one salary saver for yeah. sure. Probably two. Um, so it, it'll be a fun slate come Sunday. Are you paying up for Cooper Cup at 9800 He's like the most expensive player on the slate. Uh, everyone wants to know, Cooper Cup or Tyreek Hill? And by everyone, I mean me. Where are you, where are you on that one? Yeah, I just don't think that you can avoid the the targets, dude. Cooper Cup is without a doubt uh, just, I think, leagues above any other wide receiver right now from a market share of target standpoint. I just don't know. Like, what I feel like I said this the last time I was on the show, but he's had one game of under double digit targets one game mm, wild one game and it was nine it wasn't like it was like four yeah. it was nine <laughs> so dude even just look at the catches man like you're, you're just like all right 13 eight seven like eight and seven are like the dips you know what i mean like a normal game is just like a casual 10 to 13 catches like just completely out They're, of control man it's not like they're priced the same though Mm-hmm. So that's true. I, th- I think we, we start to get into our heads about like, oh, but I'm saving eleven hundred dollars. I don't know. Finding eleven hundred somewhere else, I think. Like if you're going to pay up for one of these riders, wide receivers, I just don't know. Like I, I lost an insane amount of money not playing Cooper Cup. And then like the times that I go play him when he's on oh, yeah. like a showdown slate or something like that, I, I catch his seven for you catch the one where he doesn't score two touchdowns essentially yeah Yeah, that's rough uh we talked about the godwin stuff i I do want to see antonio brown's price antonio brown is 7k um so that's that's still like uh you're gonna have to make a decision at least at that range stefan diggs only 500 more deontay johnson only 400 more so uh, interested in that. Hunter Renfro all the way at 7,100 now. They finally decided to price him up a little bit. I like Jamar Chase at 7,100. I mentioned that matchup against Baltimore kind of stands out to me. Let's see where T's at. T at 6,500. I'm interested in that also. One of the things I was looking at last week was we've kind of seen, like, the way that people think about T. Higgins, they're like, oh, he's the underneath guy, like around kind of the, the eight out of Boyd. That is not true at all. Like, and, and I know that Chase has been seeing a lot of deep targets, but T recently has been seeing deep targets as well. It actually has come a lot closer together than it was at other times of this year. So I like T. Higgins a lot at 6,500. We've really seen him turn it around uh, from the beginning of the year. I know that he just had three targets in the last one, but before that, like this is like a perfect spot where the role has kind of like gotten there for multiple weeks in a row and people are starting to believe he has the flop. The week after the flop is when to go back to the well, in my opinion. Anything else that yeah, that kind of stands I, out price wise? I like the Cincy guys, though. Are you in on that? Yeah, I'm definitely. Uh, I I think you're you're onto something with the Cincinnati game in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't mind Mike here at 6600. Okay. Uh, a little bit of a letdown spot against the Chiefs recently, but like volume is still there i think two maybe three targets in the back of the i haven't looked at any of the game log stuff or any of the data i would i just happen to be watching this game at my my mother's birthday um through the window looking at the bar uh and and i feel like every time i was looking up mike williams was getting targeted and not catching the football Mm -hmm. but i do think he had i know he had at least one target in the end zone i think it was two uh, and those are just so valuable at $6,600. I mean, he could go six for 70 and two tutties because of the type of work that he gets. And if there's no Austin Eckler, they could be a little bit more inclined around around the end zone. I think that's mm-hmm. like total narrative, nothing to back that up. Like Roundtree and Kelly are still fine goal linebacks. Um, but like, I, I think Mike at 66 against Houston is not a bad spot. 
Yeah, I was just kind of looking at some of the targets just from uh, like this, this past week because like I, I think I sometimes just forget that like things can change so like quickly, right? So even just like week 15, we know that Tyreek Hill had an absolute explosion, but man, Mark Andrews had 13 targets. We'll get to tight end in a second. Mm -hmm. Christian Kirk had 12 targets without nuke in there so some of these arizona guys we'll see um i don't believe they're on the main slate though so we don't have to worry about that um armand st brown 11 targets was like kind of like the the i guess the bring back a lot of people use in those arizona stacks so that definitely worked out um what else do we got here i want to see if they're man what do, what do you make of the gronk stuff as we kind of transition to tight end because he had 11 targets only two catches in the last game we know that it's basically going to be a ton of target share up for grabs even with antonio brown coming back you think Gronk can uh can rebound at all because they did not look good i guess it's just like the offense did not look good at all either yeah i wouldn't I, i'm i'm okay like throwing that as a wash i mean there was very some balls that he dropped that were very clear catches that were literally on him mm -hmm. um so like i'm I'm actually like I'm I'm kind of in on Gronk and and I have been for a couple of weeks, especially in and some island game stuff or trying to be unique. Like people don't people are un they're they're hesitant to roster him. Mm -hmm. I think because they're still holding on to well one such a large market share of of targets to be dispersed in that offense and that is clearly going to get condensed in in week 16. I, like it it has to be condensed in week 16. I don't even I don't even care if Evans is is active. He could probably play a 70% snap share, right? Mm -hmm. Like with a hammy and like, you never know. So like I'm in on Gronk um, that you just, especially if there's salary cap relief at the running back position, I think this is a great way to, yeah. to maybe be a little bit different. Yeah, before we move on to the the rest of the tight end position, want everyone to go ahead and pause this video, go to FanDuel.com slash Holka and join the listener league. Let's try and fill that thing up this week. Last week uh, was probably our lowest uh, amount of people in that thing. So let's uh, let's remedy that this week. Travis Kelsey, 7,800. Mark Andrews is now the highest priced tight end on the slate Baltimore at Cincinnati. We'll see if it's Huntley again, who just seems to love this guy, man. So do we actually like uh, Andrews more if Huntley is playing uh, versus Lamar? It seems like a crazy thing to say, man, but the target share has been crazy. Yeah, target share has been absolutely insane. Uh, I mean, what, 13-11 yep. targets over the last two games. So it, yeah, dude, it's just a, he's he's not cheap. Uh, and I, I think Cincinnati is pretty vulnerable against tight ends. I think, uh, gosh, who's, who's the other team? I think like the Browns, I think Baltimore or no, I think it's Baltimore. You can beat up with tight ends too. Okay. Um, see what like, I think up. Uzoma I think is 5k. Think, yeah. Let me take a look. Was the last time that Uzoma went off actually against Baltimore? I'll tell you right now, 91 and two off of three catches. <laughs> Yeah, dude. <laughs> that will take that. I, I feel I feel like you can pick Baltimore apart a little bit. I should I should check the adjusted fantasy points allowed um to tight nice ends find. against Baltimore. But yeah, I I'm pretty sure you can. Nice find. Uh Travis Kelsey, seventy eight hundred. I mean, man, just the day it feels like the hours after everyone was just putting like that final nail on the Travis Kelsey like elite coffin, like he just goes out there and goes one ninety one and two. You know what I mean? Yes, dude, he absolutely ate against the Chargers. Yeah. Uh, it's so, so funny. Yeah. But yeah, look, that it's just this game is extremely volatile. So like take lock is so bad. It's it's Monday mm -hmm. at three in the afternoon. There's all this COVID stuff that, that's going to happen. Just like be fluid and be flexible. Yeah. Let's go ahead and uh, build the lineup, though, Hodge. But I did mention that I had a surprise for you guys. Uh, I guess maybe not a surprise to everyone, but I want to remind everyone that we do have a second YouTube channel now. So make sure you guys subscribe to that when you get a chance. Link in the description. I'm going to be giving away a Justin Herbert rookie card 
once we hit 1K subs. We're getting dangerously closer, 750. This is a live ticker. So if anyone in the the crowd, the chat, whoever wants to subscribe right now, that'd be great because we'll see it. We'll see it move right right here. I always point the wrong direction. I don't know why I do that. Uh, 750. So uh, Hodge, who do you want to start with on this one? I, I know that um, obviously very early in the week. True first look lineup, not something that we should be just jamming into contests on Sunday. But where do you want to start this week? Let's uh, let's let's punt at quarterback. Uh, okay. Or sorry, let's pay down at quarterback and let's mm -hmm. go with Joe. Let's do it. I like the Joe Burrow stuff. So pretty easy decision for me, I think, just to try and get up uh, to at least T because I think T is 6,500. I think we could probably even double this if we wanted to. Let's double it. It's early in the week. Let's let's throw both the high ADOT guys in this one and go with Chase as well because I think at 7,100, like I think most people are probably just going to play um, T. T or yeah, and just try and get to Antonio Brown at 7K in this range. Like that's going to be the cool kid play this week, I feel like. So yeah, I'm, I'm in on the double stack for these guys. Do we want to like pay down? Just, if we're not playing Antonio Brown, which we're probably not, do we want to just throw Rojo on this team? Uh, yeah. Are, is that the most confident running back that you that you think? I'd say that Ronald from, Jones from at hunting? fifty at fifty four hundred is extremely cheap. No, no, no. I I agree as well. I just meant from a a injury designation standpoint. Is Fournette the one that you feel okay? Cool. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, I, the Mixon stuff. I haven't really looked into it a ton. Let's see what they were I mean, saying about Mixon because it's an ankle, which always like freaks me out. Um, yes. Practice status throughout the week appeared to suffer an ankle ankle injury on the team's final drive. So yeah, we didn't even see him return after that. So I don't even. I haven't heard how no, bad that one yeah, is. Yeah, we saw. We, so. we saw nothing. Yeah. Um. No, I'm good. I'm good with Rojo. I think okay. Rojo's pretty talented anyway. So. Cool. Um. Let's see. Cheaper defense here. We got Houston at home against the Chargers. They're the Stone Men. We have. Uh. I, I don't know if we really want to run it back against Tom Brady. We got Angry Tom this week. I would imagine. So. Yeah, angry uh, Tom for sure. Yeah. Uh, Minnesota pass attempts maybe on the other side in that one, just a high tempo game. If we're not going to have Stafford and a ton of Minnesota guys, maybe we go Vikings defense at 3,600 at home. Um, I'll go with that at home. Okay. Absolutely. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Pass attempts out of style because we're not playing. We're not playing. Uh, yeah, we're not going to have salary to get to Cook and Jefferson Cooper. probably anyway. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, so we got 7,500. Or even, even Coop. Let's, uh, let's jam well, in one of these tight ends. Do you want to pay yeah, down for. Uh, AK. Yeah. Nope. Uh -uh. We're going up. Nope, we're running it back. <laughs> Well, okay. we either run it back with uh, with Hollywood, right. Andrews, yeah. or Bateman, and I yeah. just think Andrews makes the most sense. Yeah, and we've already kind of punted enough to to make that one work. Uh, no issues yeah. with that. Uh, so we actually we're fine on salary seventy four hundred for a running back, wide receiver, and a flex. Is there any other guys that really stood out to you? Um, at the running back position, I think I I would I would genuinely love to know what. <laughs> what McVay is going to do with these running backs. But yeah. now that we have Minnesota, it doesn't really matter. Sure. Um, you know, like you could probably make a Robinson team work against the jets too. If we wanted to do that. I'm just, I'm, I'm curious. Like, do we see David Montgomery get 20 touches again? You know, like, I, I don't know what yeah, the game looked like for him. No, he's $6,600 though. And he's he like, a, he's targets. like an 18 opportunity guy. Yeah. Like seven targets and I guess only 10 rush attempts, but that's, I mean, that's one of his season lows, right? So if it ends up skewing back yeah. towards like 14 to 17 and we're going to get like five to six targets, like, yeah, that's a really nice I mean, price, 6,600. This game environment is probably super gross, mm -hmm. like over under 12 total offensive snaps from from each team i'm not even kidding you yeah that's what i was gonna say so i think sig brought it up too i think that if we don't get Lockett back in this one like dk metcalf could end up being really popular so we could go metcalf montgomery mini but then we're running right into this game environment that neither of us really like anyway 
Yeah, I don't know. Sixty six hundred dollars for the potential of like eighteen opportunities still just seems really great. And he's the goal, and, and he's just goal line work too. So yeah. like, I don't know. Well, I mean, Fields is gets a little bit too, but like, watch, watch tonight. We're recording this on Monday, everyone. There's a five o'clock Chicago game tonight. He's gonna have twenty seven touches. And yeah, score exactly. Three touchdowns, and he's gonna be the stone chalk on Sunday. Yeah, good call, <laughs> uh, man. Metcalf sixty seven hundred. So I might backtrack on that. I think he's a pretty good price at that range. Like, I guess we could play Mike Williams in that range if you prefer that. But I kind of like the mini with uh metcalf and montgomery no, I'm, good. I'm good with metcalf okay so we're gonna do metcalf and demont yep and uh that gets us 9k so we could go one off tyreek if we believe uh we could go yep. dalvin with uh minnesota vikings defense so that's kind of where we're at one of those two who do you prefer between dalvin and tyreek to finish this one off um in in large large field tournaments i would probably just prefer Tyreek in smaller field tournaments, I think I'll take Dalvin um, a little bit more stability in a lineup there. And we're kind of a little volatile with David Montgomery. So like, I, I don't know. I mean, I just feel like let's uh, go Dalvin that, to get ooh. us the correlation just as a tiebreaker. Right. And we, we yeah, know this yeah. one completely nuclear. The volume's back. Not a great matchup against the Rams, but high tempo game. Let's get a piece of that Rams and Vikings game before uh, before we get you out of here. So uh, Ryan Hotch, everybody. Follow him immediately on Twitter, please, at Ryan Hodge. Uh, best of luck this week, man. Hope you have a fantastic holiday. Man, we're almost we're almost there. We're almost to playoff time. The best late to the almost year, Almost to playoffs. Yeah. Yes, almost to the best time. Thanks for having me on, Joe, and uh, I'll catch you after the holidays, brother, and run good in Week 16. That's all for today. Thanks again to Sig, Davis, and Hodge. We got our feet set for Week 16. We've hopefully gotten over Week 15, and it's been a great start to the week. A bit of an abbreviated schedule this week with the holidays, but we'll try and get out as many of the normal segments as possible, so stay tuned. show presented by FanDuel. Pump for you guys to hear a couple great conversations today. We're going to start with Sigmund Bloom, who's going to tell us what's going on in Tampa Bay and what to expect without Chris Godwin the rest of the season, as well as a couple players that we maybe we've been right about all along in fantasy football, and now it's finally paying off. Then a little bit of an evergreen DFS conversation with Davis Maddock, talking through how to strategize with short slates in DFS, since we've had so many of them lately. Thought that'd be especially interesting for you guys. And then wrapping things up per usual with Ryan Hodge going through our DFS first look for NFL Week 16. I can't believe we made it all the way here so far, guys. Just want to take this chance to thank everyone who's been with us the entire season. All we have for news and notes is we do have a second YouTube channel, so if you haven't subscribed over there yet, definitely do that. There's a link in the description. Going to be giving away a Justin Herbert rookie card once we get to 1K subs. I think we're only a couple hundred away, so we could definitely use your support. Let's just spread things out a little bit and also do a bunch of exclusive short videos that I've been trying to do somewhere. Didn't have a place for it. Now we do. But with that out of the way, let's get right into the episode. This is Joe Holka Show presented by FanDuel. Post week 15 reveal, reactions, overreactions, everything in between. We're going to help you guys take advantage of where this NFL season is going. There's not much of it left, but uh, not where it was. That is the idea. With us, as always, co-owner footballguys.com. Sigmund Bloom, how was your week 15, man? It seems like one of the more chaotic uh, fantasy playoff weeks that I've seen in recent memory. Is that kind of how you had it too? Oh, yeah. It matches the rest of the season. Mm -hmm. And there was lots of if you survived. If you survived Jamar Chase. If you survived Najee Harris. If you survived the injuries to the Bucks and Tom Brady. But doesn't that just map to the NFL? 
Mm-hmm. It's a war of attrition. The guys who win the Super Bowl for you might not be the guys who got you into the playoffs, but by getting to the playoffs, you have a chance. And as long as you have a chance, you need to keep, keep rubbing two sticks together, stay one step ahead of the competition when you can. And it is rewarding. It's exhausting, but it is rewarding because just like in the NFL, it's hard to win that title. It's hard to keep everything going. And maybe this week your team stepped on a landmine and you survived. Maybe next week it's your opponent that steps on a landmine. So keep hope alive yeah and these kansas city teams that everyone was just waiting for they show up in a huge way on like a really i mean weird main slate uh that we haven't seen uh i guess this low scoring across the board for a lot of these studs in a while obviously all the covid stuff now we got we got four games today still or Mm -hmm. four games left in this week 15 slate so um i guess what i'd be nervous about is something that's happened to me personally is i think that i have everything in the bag and then uh the last game or whatever it may be like there may be some stuff that happens over the next two days and people are losing their their matchups just on that like that right. that's so rough man and we're not even going to start this next week until like wednesday or so like I'm, I'm all out of sorts sig it's the holidays there's a lot of stuff going on so uh, thanks for being flexible on schedule today too yeah and i think hey this is why they pay us the big bucks right Joe? yeah this is, they, they, this is why they need us or at the very least we're willing to stick our stick our necks out and make a call and i think that again just as it is at the beginning of the season and this year has reminded us this more and more every week that you have to be flexible you have to be willing to abandon what you thought was real and let reality teach you and show you what's real. So then you're not so resistant to playing Amon Ross St. Brown. Mm-hmm. You're not so resistant to thinking that, hey, maybe Craig Reynolds is going to have a solid game. And understanding that what was true a few weeks ago might not be true now, including injury situations around the league, all the players going on the COVID list. Uh, it's being willing to adjust to those things that will separate the champions from the runners up. I totally agree. Let's jump right into it today, Sig. I think there's one of the things, I think one of the things that people are going to take away from at least last night is this chaos in Tampa Bay, yeah. right? Like, is there any reason to panic, you think, with all of these injuries? Like, we see them lose, I mean, multiple Pro Bowl wide receivers, right? They lose, they lose Mike Evans to the hamstring injury. They lose right. Chris Godwin to a knee injury. And then later in the game, that's all before the first half, by the way. And then later in the game, we lose Leonard Fournette also, which led us to a lot of targets for Ron Gronkowski, but not a lot happened. And yeah. I mean, the first shutout in the Tom Brady era for Tampa Bay, also just the third time in his entire career he's been shut out. So what do you make of all this stuff in Tampa after last week? Yeah, the first time in 255 games, the first time since wow. his 20s. And so here's some things we can take apart from this. We're going to have a lot of divisional matchups over the next few weeks. Number one, we've already seen these teams play each other once this year in all these cases. Uh, Number two, we have a recent history. We can go back as far as the teams have offensive coordinators, defense coordinators, key personnel. And guess what? It wasn't that difficult to see this coming. Now, maybe the injuries were difficult to see coming, but generally the Saints have held Tom Brady down. It had maybe his worst game of his career against the Saints last year. They didn't get shut out. They scored three points in that game, but it was just miserable. Mm -hmm. The other two games, regular season games in the Superdome, Uh, Brady was not that efficient or effective. And even in the game that they won in the playoffs, it was more Drew Brees and Jared Cook's errors than Tom Brady carrying the team to a victory. Now, what do you see here? You have matchups, right? Marshawn Lattimore on Mike Evans. Malcolm Jenkins holding down Brock Gronkowski. Normally, that would uh, funnel siphon targets to Chris Godwin and Leonard Fournette. They both get hurt. 
And then Tom Brady doesn't really have a counterpunch. Now, looking ahead to week 16 against Carolina, you do have a counterpunch. It's Antonio Brown. Mm -hmm. So this could be Antonio Brown's slate breaker, right? Would we be shocked if he had 12 catches for 200 yards and two touchdowns in this game? Now, the big question would be now. And Stephon Gilmore and I think Stephon Gilmore and Antonio Brown were teammates for a brief minute. Uh, But Stephon Gilmore also did a pretty good job on Kyle Pitts earlier this year. So does that mean that Stephon Gilmore, who was teammates with Rob Gronkowski for longer, is Gilmore on Gronkowski. And I think that another thing we need to take away from this is you look ahead to tomorrow's slate, DK Metcalf, it doesn't sound like Tyler Lock play. He was symptomatic. So I don't think he's going to play. We have to wait until the end of the day to know for sure. And you also have Freddie Swain's banged up. Eskridge is banged up. You don't really see a lot of chemistry between Russell Wilson and Gerald Everett. So it seems like by default, DK Metcalf is going to get a lot of targets. Mm-hmm. He's also probably going to get a lot of Jalen Ramsey who's right. activated from the COVID list. So Rob Gronkowski stands as a warning, especially for DFS players. In regular fantasy football, you're just going to go down with the ship however it goes. But in DFS, you're looking at DK Metcalf as maybe the most important decision of your Tuesday slate games as the two games will be played simultaneously. Uh, because yes, he's likely to get a lot of targets by default. Will they be efficient targets? Will they be productive targets? And again, we can look back at the history of Ramsey and Metcalf, et cetera. But Rob Gronkowski last night is a warning to not necessarily chase targets because it has to be converted to production to matter. Yeah, what do you make of the the Gronkowski stuff in general, right? Like 11 targets in this game. Like I think he came down with only two catches, right? Or something right. like something like that. So, I mean, obviously, like you said, there wasn't the counterpunch like Tyler Johnson out there, uh, Jalen Darden, I mean, Miller, all those guys. Like Miller was a healthy scratch the week before, right? So, right. I mean, obviously, completely different scenario, but we'll see what happens to the run game. Uh, Fournette isn't able to go. Like this is a... I mean, for Tampa in general, I'm, I'm slightly nervous, even though we've seen them struggle right. uh, against the Saints before. But for Gronk in particular, like, do you think he comes back and rebounds here? It's, again, it depends on Stephon Gilmore. Yeah. It depends okay. on, we have to look at Phil Snow. I think he's the defensive coordinator from Avril. We'll go back to their Baylor days. And just, again, the fact that Gilmore was on Kyle Pitts. Now, that was when Gilmore was only playing like 20 snaps a game when he first mm-hmm. joined the team. But it sure seems to me, especially after watching again what Malcolm Jenkins did, uh, you know, I don't think Jeremy Chin is that guy. You know, he he's a, a defensive impact player, but not someone who can mirror a receiver, has necessarily the length and the ball skills that Stephon Gilmore has. Maybe also we need to look at Ronald Jones, mm-hmm. who, who in some ways can lead into another thing we want to talk about today, which are players with fresh legs at the end of the season. Saw him against the Saints, very good run defense last night, look strong, swift, ready for action. And if this if the Bucks had actually been able to prepare, knowing they weren't going to have their top three targets for Tom Brady. Remember, Giovanni Bernard also out. Right. That's he he's a player that could have been an outlet and could have been a good struggle target, as my Siamese cat is <laughs> making sure to know. Uh, at her input to the show. Um, so, you know, by default, maybe this is Ronald Jones getting 20 carries. Maybe this is Ronald Jones against a tired Panthers defense that just made Devin Singletary look pretty good. Devin Singletary had uh, a very strong game. Anybody who played him in DFS last week, yesterday, is happy. So maybe it's Ronald Jones. Uh, and you do have to think that Bruce Arians, we saw this earlier this year against the Colts, where the Colts were able to take away the downfield passing and what did they do? They went to a lot of Leonard Fournette. I believe that was his four-touchdown game. Mm-hmm. not going to say four touchdowns for Ronald Jones, but I am going to make sure if I'm building DFS lineups to dabble and include some Ronald Jones uh, against the Panthers. Yeah, we'll get into some of that fresh leg stuff. Uh, but before we move on, I am super excited to tell you guys about the second YouTube channel for the Joe Holka Show. Uh, so you guys should definitely subscribe over there immediately. Going to be rolling out a bunch more clips from the guests, exclusive picks. Uh, once things kind of settle down from the holidays, you're going to start seeing a lot more stuff over there uh, down the stretch. So uh, there's going to be some stuff that you won't be able to find anywhere 
else. Um, so make sure you subscribe. Uh, transitioning over to our next topic, Sig, if this NFL season has taught us anything, it's that sometimes we're actually right about the fantasy players that we think are underutilized or being, yeah. I guess, underappreciated, right? So we've seen some difference makers here down the stretch. Uh, of course, we've seen what Cordero Patterson has been doing all year, but this past week, guys like Duke Johnson, even Reynolds, who you mentioned before, Dante Foreman, Johnson Jackson, like there's all of these guys, right, that are making a big difference for people's teams. So what do you make of all this? Yeah, maybe we'll add some Ajay P. Ryan to that list, depending on what we hear yeah. from, about Joe Mixon. Uh, but w- w- I think what you make out of this, first of all, is that the talent at running back, yes, there are uber talented running backs, right? Jonathan Taylor, the latest. There are running backs that add so much value to their touches that they really stand out from the pack. Uh, and then there are running backs that, with their versatile skill set, add value, like Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, uh, that rep- separate them from the pack. But otherwise, I think that the difference between a starting quality running back and a street free agent is not nearly as wide at running back as it is at other positions. If you have to plug in a street free agent left tackle, you have to plug in a street free agent at cornerback. Yeah. A street free agent at running back. Totally different. Might be just just fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then we need to translate that for our DFS and our fantasy strategies that, again, this is why running backs don't matter, right? Because the running back production is created by the scheme. It's created by the execution. San Francisco showing us this. Uh, so I think that is something we have to be open to. So when we look at, for instance, we're going to wait and see on Jamal Williams and whether he's activated from the COVID list. But if Craig Reynolds is the starter against Atlanta and this Detroit team, you know, they're getting the taste for wins. They, they yeah. like it. They don't care about trap position, and they shouldn't. Dan Campbell's doing everything the right way over there. So Craig Reynolds is somebody that I don't think most of us even knew. Cutstown. Yeah. Andre exactly. Reed, right? Finally, another Cutstown player that matters. Uh, he might matter for DFS lineups. Uh, likewise, Duke Johnson returned to Miami. And that's one of the things I think is a key narrative street fact here. But he went, he grew up in Miami. He went to high school in Miami. He played his college ball in Miami. Finally get an opportunity to play in the Aqua and Coral. And first 20-carry game, first 100-yard game, first two-rushing touchdown game. Why not? This team has been hungry to establish the run. Now, this week against the Saints might be a little tough because the Saints have a, a tough run defense. But looking ahead, I think they play Tennessee. Uh, this team is pushing for the playoffs, trying to win nine straight and make the playoffs uh, and put together one of the better stories. They finished with New England. So why not Duke Johnson? Uh, and whoever it is that you carry a torch for, you know, I would say odd and take, whoever it is that yeah. you carry a torch for, this is the football guide reminding us, don't give up. Everyone's got their guys. I feel like somewhere Ian Hardis is smiling as well. He's yes. got his C-pad stuff. That's been, I mean, he's taking that victory lap the whole year, but he's always been a Duke Johnson guy too, man. So yeah. uh, shout out to Ian. Love that guy. Uh, Sig, before we get you out of here, we do have a little bit of breaking news that I want to throw at you. This okay. Chris Godwin injury was uh, yeah. much uh, worse than we thought. He's actually going to be out for the year with a torn ACL. We got Rapshi tweeting this out about three, about 10 minutes ago now. Uh, so any uh, initial reactions? Uh, Chris Godwin done for the year. My initial reaction is I feel for him because yeah. he's going into free agency and when free agency opens, which isn't that long from now, Joe, like three right. months from now, <laughs> um, and teams are going to have more cap room. Uh, so teams are going to be ready to spend. And Chris Godwin was going to get his generational wealth paycheck. Now we got a really good paycheck this year on the franchise tag. Don't get me wrong, but what players are really looking for is that 30, 40, $50 million guaranteed. He's earned it, but now he's not even going to be able to work out or show his health for the team. Now, ACL surgery is a little more routine now in so much as any major surgery is routine. Um, But I think we were looking at Godwin as almost certainly not getting a second franchise tag, not coming Mm -hmm. back to Tampa Bay. And maybe this uh, 
makes it so he has to do something like that one year 10 million dollar deal who has the faith to take that leap to sign him uh, tyler johnson's been very disappointing he was the direct backup really in the slot that bruce arian slot position has not been good to him as far as production uh so i think that again from a from a football standpoint i just feel for for Chris Godwin looking for that security. And of course, we all can always look ahead to 2022. We have great stories coming up at quarterback. We have a lot of players that are going to get paid after not getting paid this year. Unfortunately, Godwin might not be one of them. So rough. You feel for a guy like that, an injury at the worst possible time, especially the contract years. I didn't realize it was a franchise tag. That totally slipped my mind. So that's uh, that's super rough. Uh, so we definitely wish him the best. Uh, even just going into my first season of college, SIG, like that was coming mm-hmm. off of a surgery. So like getting back is one thing. Getting back. So one thing that I learned through that is getting back after an injury when you're cleared is much different when than getting back and you actually being 100%, being explosive, yeah. all of those things, right? So he'll get back, and obviously they're doing so much uh, great work with ACLs at this point. It's not definitely a career type of, uh, I guess, issue here. But, man, like by the time he's like explosive and for a wide receiver making cuts and feeling really, uh, really good about that knee, we might not see Chris Godwin uh, looking at his top form, uh, I guess, right out of the gates and coming to a new team, nef- never an right. easy thing to do easily so um yeah that's tough uh anything else uh sig before we get you out of here no i just i i hope that i will say this uh unlike some of the other weeks there were some very satisfying outcomes right watching the lions beat the cardinals was very satisfying not for me watching <laughs> well i understand what you're saying hey hey if the cardinals win the super bowl this year they need to send a fruit basket for dan campbell you need losses like this Te- good teams yeah. need losses yes. like this i think yes, I'm, I'm definitely absolutely. on board with that the Saints put one on the Bucks last year that turned their season around. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you need along the way a team to show you you ain't nothing. Mm-hmm. And obviously the Cardinals went in maybe a little bit slack with their gloves down in the ring, and they got their kneecaps bit off. Uh, so you know this, what the Saints did to Tom Brady. I think it's just in the plot. It's just not as interesting to watch Tom Brady continue to be great as it is to watch him be humbled. The Steelers. Staying alive, rubbing two sticks together, winning ugly. That certainly is close to my heart. Uh, it's certainly why the Packers Ravens game was a classic. Tyler Huntley is growing up before our very eyes. So that's one of the other things about this. While we can mourn for Chris Godwin, uh, we can also say there are players like Craig Reynolds, like Tyler Huntley that are getting opportunities and changing their lives by what they're able to do with these opportunities. Sigmund Bloom, everyone, make sure you guys check out all the content over at footballguys.com down the stretch. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on that does, even if your season is over, there's plenty of stuff to keep you busy, of course. Uh, make sure you follow Sig on Twitter, at Sigmund Bloom. Sig, have a great holiday, man. I appreciate all of this, uh, and uh, we'll see you soon. I don't know when it's going to be, but we'll see you soon. A happy, safe holiday to everybody out there. Before we get back at it, I want to thank the presenting sponsor, FanDuel, for all the support this year. New FanDuel players, listen up. Your day's about to get 20% better with a bonus on your first deposit, up to $500 for free. All you have to do is claim it by visiting FanDuel.com slash Holka. First, that link does support the channel, so thank you. And even if you are not a first-time player, it would mean the world if you give FanDuel another go this week and start that process through my link. That's FanDuel.com slash Holka to claim your bonus and start playing today. It'll bring you right to our $5 three-entry max list. Center League contest that one I will be reviewing every week on stream 
quite honestly one of the best places you can put your money in all of DFS because it's completely rake free. There's a whole lot of NFL action left this season, so make sure you join our community over on FanDuel. Pick a lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see where your team stacks up against the competition. They've got a ton of different game formats between main slate and single game contests. You can even set up private contests with your friends to experience season-long wins without season-long waits by joining the $5 Listener League or making your first deposit through FanDuel.com slash Holka. The official daily fantasy sports partner of the Joe Holka Show, age and local restrictions apply. Bonus is used as a non-refundable site credit that expires after 30 days. It's the Joe Holka Show presented by FanDuel. It's our key takeaways from NFL Week 15, dissecting what just happened and more importantly, what actually matters going forward in fantasy football, DFS, and betting. I'm not sure about our next guest, but I'm uh, pretty much done tilting the results from uh, week 15 ready to move on joining us as always from the soul cast the take cast and sports grid of course davis maddock how we living bro you know we are uh we're doing our best i've been uh, adjusting the projections like crazy as we try to deal with uh the minefield of of all these injuries and and covid situations and everything and i guess uh it just it just feels feels a lot like uh 2020 right now with uh with all this stuff but um you know we're uh, by and large we're we're making it yeah uh there's there's worse things than having football basically every day of the week uh there's not many worse things when it comes to trying to do content for every day of the week uh which was kind of rough last week did a bunch of stuff that i basically had to either completely just throw in the garbage or uh move uh to different days of the week so that was pretty rough how, how did you like uh i guess navigate throughout the slate like neither one of us are really building lineups until probably sunday morning anyways but man it was weird that like basically the entire week was pretty much worthless from like a uh i mean really a strategy perspective a pre- preparation perspective and then all the huntley stuff basically comes in and wins anyway right so what are we doing here yeah i mean i, I feel uh, i feel really dumb for uh for not being more on uh on huntley he was just mm-hmm. like such my brand of player uh, didn't didn't get there, you know the the Huntley Mark Andrews stuff. But I I thought the thing that was like m- that most kind of threw me off is just spending so much of the week thinking like, okay, I don't care how uh, chalky Cooper Cup is gonna be on the main slate, and also kind of you know in the back of my mind I've been thinking this whole time that Sony is just gonna take this the the good work away from Daryl Henderson, uh, particularly the goal line work. And then also thinking that A.J. Dillon was just going to get loads of carries, you know, with the Packers up by 10 at, at home in Lambeau. And so it just it just didn't work out. I mean, my 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 main team was a Dak double stack. He, you know, he threw for like 200 yards. The right. Cowboys. What? How how bummer are the Cowboys right now? Like all the CD drops, in. too, man. It was there was so much yes. of that game that was tilting, man. And it, it seemed like Dak was like going to be one of the like the sharper tournament plays. Did you play him in cash, though? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I did. I played him in cash and uh, felt just insanely stupid as they're, you know, handing the ball off to Zeke on every first down in the second half because it doesn't even matter. They just like they the Cowboys right now. They just don't care about scoring points like they really don't. They, yeah. They're like, if we get to 20, you're not going to score 20 against us. So that's really all we need to do. And it is a gigantic bummer. Yeah, we have like all of these like things in the back of our head of like these DAC doubles, like getting there and having all this upside. And then, yeah, I mean, uh, it gets to the point where they don't, they're just trying to win games, which I guess uh, is, I mean, I guess good for them. That's what uh, they're paid to do, but uh, not great for us. So uh, we're going to do things slightly different today we're going to keep this a little bit more evergreen i've done enough tilting davis i I don't know about you i don't really need to talk about the slate 
anymore. Uh, it was one of those slates, though, where I was tilting results, not necessarily process. There's really not much I would do differently, I think. Maybe a few things. But uh, if anyone wants to hear uh, my full breakdown of tilt, uh, I went off a few times on the tilt space last night. So pretty easy to find. Uh, all right. So let's uh, let's jump right into it. I, I do think that one of the things that has impacted at least my strategy going forward is trying to do a lot more of the small slates. It's hard to carve out the time, but there's really no doubt that they are extremely plus EV and between the COVID implications, the holidays, we're going to see a lot of these main slates get broken up into smaller short slates anyway. So we talked about it a lot in the off season. I wrote a bunch of Twitter threads about how I was approaching these, but Davis, I love these slates for a lot of reasons, but curious kind of where you stand on them. So I think short slates are fascinating because they're sort of related to how we think about showdown, but it's actually a little bit different. So like a, like a showdown slate, like Trey McKitty, if he's $200, one catch for seven yards can be like a huge slate swinger, right? Mm -hmm. And mains, uh, like, like two game, three game, four game slates kind of work like that, but actually it kind of works in the reverse. It's more about which high price players can fail. So like, you know, can... Uh, $8,000 running back X get eight points here. Can can Dalvin Cook, can Nick Chubb, can Alvin Kamara, can Jonathan Taylor, can those guys actually bail, uh, you know, and be really bad? And then then it becomes about, okay, well, is there a, is there a Devin Singletary? Is there a third down back? You know, a, a Kenyon Drake, to, I guess Kenyon Drake has a broken ankle, but, you know, just someone like that, a Nike Hines, right? A guy who can randomly chip in with 11 at, you know, uh, at $5,000 on FanDuel that, changes the the optimal roster construction for a slate and also you know in showdown you don't really have to fade the chalk True. you know like or, or or single game on FanDuel you like you actually probably want to get overweight on the best possible plays that's actually the better way to approach the single game stuff whereas uh in in two game slates you're actually being forced to wake way more painful decisions especially yeah. in the stuff you and I like which is lower entries higher dollar um and, and you're just being forced to be like, well, I'm just not playing Tyreek Hill on this two-game slate, and he's going to be 70% owned, and my slate can be over in one drive. You know, if Tyreek scores a 70-yard touchdown, that's it. You're dust. Yeah, I was uh, bringing up this thread from the offseason because one of the things that you just kind of alluded to, it's like really easy to identify the top leverage spot on a slate anyway, um, but like especially these really small slates, right? So the probability of like what's most likely to happen, I think people are are much too confident with that sort of thing when things are especially going to condense on the chalk. Very few pass like some of these, like obviously this slate that we just went through, Davis, there wasn't a lot of like really fantastic stacking opportunities, but you'll see like some of these games that just really stand out on these shorter slates. So that's definitely a huge edge. One of the other things that I, I kind of wanted to talk about too is like I think just like outside of like the Thanksgiving slate fewer people care about these short slates in general right yes. because the prize pools are much smaller there's a lot less cash game action which I'm sure you can speak to and people are lazy man like like get me to the couch the bar wherever you're gonna be watching these games and there's a lot less like good content picks whatever it may be stuff to consume out there that can help you with these smaller slates so it, it's good in theory I haven't done a good enough job at prioritizing this there's some days where I'll, I'll start to to build us a, a 4 p.m only lineup and it's like all right like I've been at this since like 5 a.m I'm gonna go do something else but uh have you done a pretty good job at like attacking these like i i probably need to do better because it is a really good spot regardless of the results right yeah no you're you're absolutely right i mean the the thanksgiving day content i mean ev whatever your fantasy site is they they have a premium write-up uh they, they'll have a show you know and then we're like what we have we have two days on 
uh, we have two days on Christmas, or two games on Christmas, and uh, there are games on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, one of the two. And, like, you know, there will be 20K up top, 30K up top, you know, 10K up top in, in some single-entry contest. And the, the content and, like, uh, you know, stuff is just not going to be there. Now, there will be tools for, you know, leverage and simulations and yep. everything. But people, you know, I mean, we've been doing this a long time. People, uh, they, they like the tools, but what they really like is being told the answers to the test. And that right. stuff really influences ownership and really influences roster construction. And if there's less of that, the field will generally be a little bit less sharp, which I think is is really interesting. And that is why, um, you know, using the tools and you, like using whatever available simulations and leverage tools you have, I think is really, really important on those shorter slates. Yeah, it's not going to be even like that uncommon to see some of these players reach like 70 plus percent ownership in some of these short slates, especially in the smaller field GPPs, Davis. So like, I, I do think that it's kind of like strategy wise, like I, I like the, the correlation to single slate or to single game and to showdown stuff, but also like the single entry through max contests that we're playing, it's just kind of on steroids, right? Like the best plays are just vaulted up so high ownership wise but then you can kind of identify what the main leverage point is overall which i think is is a pretty decent opportunity um from that perspective but uh before we move on to uh the last point that i kind of wanted to talk about with short slates i want to make sure that everyone out there would consider subscribing to the second youtube channel there's a link in the description for that i'm actually going to be giving away a justin herbert rookie card once we hit 1k sub so make sure you guys don't miss out on that but davis one of the things that i think is kind of interesting for the short slates is how to really attack correlation and stacking because like i said if you can take a stand on just one single outcome one game one team whatever it may be like i think that the onslaughts are very encouraged uh, even more um, than normal on these shorter slates because if you can just pick the team that goes nuclear and a couple other ones maybe uh, underperform a little bit that pie in which everyone eats there's really fewer decisions to be made at that point because you don't need like the the one-off player from some of these other games than just pick that kind of parlay it's almost just like uh, our strategy on steroids a little bit for smaller field stuff I think really plays well to my strategy on shorter slates as well but how are you approaching stacking in some of these short slates yeah no 100% like the over stacking like your your bank with that Minnesota Green Bay game that is like even more of a viable strategy on two three four games smaller slates because you know just the the probability suggests you know one of the games is going to be really ugly especially this year I mean how many ugly ugly games have we had and if right. you happen to be stacking the game that is 38 31 that goes to overtime that you know uh you know just happens to be the game that goes way over in terms of like pass rate over expectation the the third wide receiver in that game or like the seventh highest fantasy score in that game might end up being in the optimal lineup you know just due to a, a confabulation of of price and and you know overall scoring environment so you know if they especially by the way if it's a game that seems kind of ugly on the surface and mm -hmm. that makes it, you know, way lower, like we'll, we'll totally get this in the playoffs, right? Where yep. like that, whatever the early AFC game is, uh, you know, uh, Patriots, whoever, right? Patriots, Bengals or something. If I don't even know if that's possible to see I'm just making it up, <laughs> yeah. but the, the early playoff, the early AFC playoff game, it used to be like the Andy Dalton, uh, Houston Texans memorial game. That game mm -hmm. would always is always going to be super low owned. And if it just happens to be the game that goes way over, you're getting massive leverage on the field. Probably the best advice though, like just holistically for short slates is we, we talk, I mean, we've definitely talked about this. You just really got to not be afraid of losing 
but your odds of winning uh, and your odds of creating like unique good lineups are so low anyways that just really focusing on like the best unique angles and just being like well i'm just gonna fade this 83 percent owned running back because you know the entire field is saying i don't see any way this guy fails is like it's just very clearly an edge i think yeah i think one of the things you mentioned obviously the order of the games really matters we'll probably get into that uh, a lot more as we approach the playoffs but i think just from a stacking perspective like just getting a little bit different in your stacks like not being scared to play a running back in your stacks not being scared to play that really cheap defense with your quarterback like all that stuff kind of goes out the window and actually can differentiate your lineups a little bit more as well and i, I think one one of the things that um, I'm trying to do in at least some of these is just identify the one really popular play in a stack. So if you find a slate, just, let's just say, for example, it's Cole Beasley is just going to be the massive chalk. Like he's going to be in some of these shorter slates going to be like 50% owned. And then you have like a direct pivot that maybe plays a similar role to Beasley or kind of the short to intermediate game. Maybe Dawson Knox would be like 5%. I'm just like throwing these out of thin air, obviously. But I think if you can find the highest owned player of a stack and just pivot that to how does that player fail? And then you add the other guy to the stack instead. That's another way to kind of leverage um, and really just differentiate yourself. Cause that's what you're looking for, right? Like it's not going to be uh, hard to identify like the, the game to overstack. A lot of times you can get involved in those, uh, those kind of grosser stacks, but I, I like the strategy of still going after the best stack and just really fading that high owned wide receiver or whoever it may be. Would you agree with that? I mean, 100%, right? Uh, or, or you know, the, the great example is like, okay, so let's let's set up an NFC-AFC conference championship game. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's Chiefs-Chargers on one side. So everyone's like, all right, I got Tyreek. I got Keenan Allen. I got Mike Williams. I got, you know, Justin Herbert. And then you're like, okay, well, I'm going to not play Keenan Allen and I'm going to play Jalen Guyton and I'm not going to play Travis Kelsey. I'm going to play uh you know byron pringle or whatever mm. you know that that is a, a great way to create leverage or 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 on uh on the other side you know cowboys buccaneers ends up being the uh the the playoff game and and i know chris godwin is hurt right now but let's say chris godwin gets back for this theoretical game i mean it's like tout bingo at this point to be yeah. like play mike evans instead of chris godwin you know ev like everyone knows like it's so funny though Everyone knows this. Everyone who like has put any effort into DFS at this point this season knows that when the Buccaneers are chalk, you play Mike Evans, he'll be half the ownership of Chris Godwin and basically has like double the touchdown, um, you know, uh, upside that Godwin does. Godwin will get more receptions, but it doesn't matter. You know that going into the slate and people are still going to play Godwin at, you know, whatever, 45% ownership in that two game theoretical slate that I just invented. Yeah. And if you're playing or if you're paying attention to any of the strategy stuff that we've been talking about for years at this point, like uh, another thing you can do is just leave salary on the table, right? Like it's something we talk about with showdown Huge. stuff all the time, but that's got to be a thing in short slates too, right? Like literally just defer, like to use that same example I had before, maybe Cole Beasley's 5,500, but you can get Dawson Knox at 4,200. Again, just making up numbers. Like I'm totally fine just leaving that salary on the table. Would you do that as well? Yeah. Or, or, uh, you know, playing the third wide receiver instead of the second wide receiver or um leaving leaving your flex i mean th this is goes right up your alley in terms of content but like just leaving your flex spot open mm -hmm. and just being like i don't care who it is i don't care what salary I, they are i'm just going to make the best option at that point so if your your lineup is ahead you, you play Cole Beasley. If your lineup is behind, play Dawson Knox. If your lineup is really, really behind, play Isaiah McKenzie. Like that is, that's like the, the right way to approach it. And I don't, 
I, you know, I mean, we have this data, like people on, on FanDuel and other sites, like they're just not using late swap to the full capabilities. Most people set it and forget it. Yeah, it's the, it's the easier thing to do. That's for sure. Uh, that's all I got for this, Davis. Uh, make sure everyone follows Davis on Twitter at Davis Maddox. Subscribe to the Take Cast. Hope you have a great Christmas, my man. I know we've got you out of here a little bit shorter today, but I wanted to do something evergreen instead of just completely tilting from this past week, man. So I appreciate it. Yeah, it's a good, a good forward thinking mindset, I think, is going to work for all of us right now as we just try to I mean, there's just so much crap to deal with in the world of fantasy sports right now. It's 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 insane. So I, yeah, I am all good being forward thinking. Good stuff, man. Enjoy the the four games left of this slate uh, before I guess the four games slate of uh, this week. And then we'll get into just the chaos that is uh, the holidays, man. So uh, have a great holiday. We'll see you later. Beautiful. See you soon, bud. I want to take a second to thank our exclusive memorabilia partner, Pristine Auction, a website that auctions off a ton of insanely cool sports memorabilia each and every day with items starting at just $1. There's thousands of auctions ending daily. So some of the crazy deals that you'll see actually pretty common, whether it's a daily auction, a weekly auction, doesn't matter. The marketplace is is open 24 hours with no reserves. Also, all of these autographed items are guaranteed authentic, so you never have to worry about that. I do have a registration code, so make sure you enter code HOLKA when you first sign up. It's good for $10 off your first purchase, but more importantly, you're eligible for the weekly giveaways from the mystery unboxings, but only if you're fully registered at Pristine Auction, so hopefully it's with code HOLKA because it supports the channel, so thank you, and let's get back to the show. It's the Joe Holka Show presented by FanDuel. It's our DFS first look at NFL Week 16, a true reaction of pricing inefficiencies and how we see ownership shaking out as we transition into a new week. We'll build a first look lineup at the end, so make sure you guys stick around. Special surprise for you guys at the end, uh, so you're definitely going to want to hear what that is. Uh, I say we because, of course, we're back with my buddy from Fantasy Labs, Ryan Hodge. Hodge, how we doing, man? Hey, what's up, Joe? How are you, man? How was the weekend? How was FFWC or FWFBC? I don't know. One of the FC championships. Yeah, the, the live finals, man. They're, they're, I wasn't at this one, so it was a little bit of a different feel. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'm ready to move on to week 16 is how, <laughs> is how it went. So, uh, uh, yeah, man, I know you've been uh, you've been grinding in a bunch of different areas, man. So I appreciate you being flexible again on time. It's the holidays, so we got to try and get the content out and hope that it doesn't uh, basically be completely worthless within hours like a bunch of stuff happened last week so let's not let's not do that let's try and get through at least our first look sound good yeah absolutely all right let's do it let's jump right into it today and we're going to start with the quarterback position it is my true first look at pricing so uh let's move over here at quarterback we have patrick mahomes on the main slate 8700 for patrick mahomes we'll see if he can run it back after that explosion that they had last week josh allen tom brady tom brady without godwin who we just found out uh pretty quickly before we uh, went live here that Godwin's going to be done for the year with a torn ACL. We'll see if we can get Evans back that hamstring injury, I believe for him, which is always kind of scary, but Antonio Brown just walking in uh, to a pretty large target share out of the gate mm -hmm. potentially and Gronk. So that's kind of interesting at Carolina there, Justin Herbert at Houston at 8,400. They priced him up significantly for that matchup. We have uh, obviously Matthew Stafford at Minnesota is kind of an interesting uh, game environment as well. I bet the total's pretty high on that one. Wouldn't you say, Hodge, this uh, this Rams Vikings game? Yeah, probably. I mean, yeah. I could I could definitely be see it being one of the the higher totals or like a top three for the the mm -hmm. slate. As we continue to go down here, the first thing that stands out to me is actually Tyler Huntley at seventy five hundred dollars. I was just gonna ask you about that. So like, we, do we think that they're just gonna kind of uh, continue? I mean, with how Huntley played, do you think that they'll give Lamar another week with that ankle? Yeah, why not? Yeah, might as well. I mean. He looked pretty good. Tyler Huntley is like basically playing for like uh, he's playing to secure the bag at this point, right? If he keeps doing this, yeah, someone someone's gonna sign him. So. Contract, yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> so I, I'm, I'm playing. I mean, I'm, I'm all about that. Hopefully he can continue to play well. Kirk Cousins on the other side of that Rams game at 7,300. Um, th- we don't know, I guess, what's going to happen with Adam Thielen. I would assume that there's a chance that he'll be back for this one, but we'll, we'll see. Um, what else we got? Cam Newton against Tampa Bay, 7,200. I'm just seeing if there's anything down here that really stands out on the cheaper side of things. I, I just Cam like Cam does. Right? You like I Cam? Know. I mean, he's, he's not absolutely cheap, but I just think like, I think Tampa Bay, you can you can expose Tampa Bay in, in certain areas. And, and if he really is going to get 10 plus rushing attempts uh, and and in a game where, you know, he, he might be playing from one to, to two and a half possessions behind all game, just depending on which Tampa Bay shows up. I think Cam is is intriguing uh, at seventy two hundred dollars. I'd probably prefer uh, closer to the seven K or like sixty eight or sixty nine. But uh he's he's the first one like i would play cam over huntley i think would you play cam um, but, over joe burrow i think that's the one down there that i would prefer against baltimore right like just because of the big play upside and you get guys like t and chase going yeah. down like deep down the field and that that seems like a pretty good spot too but i, I don't I, I could be talked into cam probably yeah I, th- I think from a from a tournament aspect i would definitely play joe it's much much easier to get full upside with t higgins Mm-hmm. and and jamar chase in that offense where with cam uh it stacking cam is definitely a little bit more difficult because of those 10 to 15 rush attempts yeah you're automatically just excluding so so much upside from your receivers yeah and justin fields is in that range also another 74 rushing yards last week he's i mean he's really kind of turned it on recently um he's looking like he may potentially have hope i guess there was times this year where we thought he was going to be absolute dust uh, against seattle maybe that one ends up playing a little bit slower pace though we will see let's move on to the running back position quarterback's always one that i want to see some things shake out a little bit um we Yo, did get the, go ahead sorry the the tuesday game that's rams and 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 seattle i believe so yeah yeah so just just worth noting as you're digesting this late yeah, those, those teams coming on a short off, off a short week call um and then i did see earlier in the chat i hope this is true because i'm about to say it that austin eckler was put on the covid list is that is that uh fake news is that true news i have no idea but uh 9400 he's the most expensive running back on the slate by a mile so i'm gonna check that quickly because i feel like that's relevant yeah that's that's super relevant um because you have yep josh kelly at 4900 and Eckler, Linza, and Joey Bosa on the COVID-19 list. So we will see how, so I guess it depends on their status, I believe, but like how quickly can these guys come back to playing after being put on the the list? That doesn't mean they tested positive. It just means that they're, dude, I don't even know at this point. Does that mean it's a close contact? Like how do you get put on this list? I haven't been paying attention to it unless he's there. Literally just going to be out. Yeah. It's so I I think it's, it's close contact or have symptoms or tested positive. I think you can end up on that list in, in all different facets. So (laughs) Uh, look, something happening on a Monday definitely means that he could be right back involved come Sunday, though. Uh, yeah. It's absolutely worth monitoring, though, because you do have uh, two very, very cheap running backs there. I think I prefer the the Joshua Kelly side of it. Just if we look at, like, mm-hmm. workload with Eckler involved, uh, I, I feel I, – I don't, I don't know. I would, I would actually have to go – to go really look at some splits 4900 if it opens up but uh yeah that'll be a later in the week thing we probably have to decide between uh i would imagine that Fournette it will not be in so like my first i wanted to see what ronald jones's price was uh 5400 ronald jones against carolina so that's mm-hmm. going to be probably a salary saver that a lot of people gravitate towards uh and maybe even samashe p ryan man because if joe mixon yep, is going to yep. be banged up as Mixon, well he's yeah. 6200 so he's a little bit more expensive 
um, than Ronald Jones. But both of those guys, like there's going to be there's going to be value like right off the hop at running back that we're going to find here. So it's a little bit harder to justify going all the way up to like a Najee Harris at 8,400. Dalvin Cook against the Rams, like just kind of a tough spot overall. Um, Najee Harris has just been so inefficient, man. I'm sure it has a lot to do with just the offense as a whole and just like the offensive line and all of that. Uh, the volume's been there, man. But like, what good is the volume if he's going to have like two yards per carry, man? It's rough. What do you th- what do you think Pittsburgh implied team total is on the road here? Because like, I just Ooh. it's it's gonna it, the the touchdown equity is like oh ninety percent snap rate, oh the goal line touches, but it's like, yeah. dude, you don't have any touchdown equity when your team can't sustain a drive. Like we've been talking about that with Najee for such a long time. So uh, look, Kansas City can be exploited, you know, by running backs, but. I, mean, I think you got to have a at least a league average offensive line. Yeah, I haven't I haven't taken a look at the at FanDuel Sportsbook and the odds yet, but I would imagine this one's probably pretty close to like a double digit spread. Am I being dramatic with that? No, I don't think so. It's ten and a half. Sounds like real, real yeah. perfect. Interesting. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I I mean, I'm I'm definitely uh, such a donkey when it when it comes to to making to setting lines, but like I, there's just no touchdown equity here. With, well, sorry, there's obviously touchdown equity, but mm-hmm. not not at this price point. Like mm-hmm. I'm out. James Robinson, 8,200. They did not uh, hesitate to price him up, but it's the Jets. Um, so people are going to be interested in that one, I would imagine. Let's keep scrolling down here and mm-hmm. see if anything kind of stands out. Uh, both these Rams guys, I hate that they're just like literally pricing these guys right next to each other now. They're like, yeah. don't care. Just like, if they're, 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 just pick one. Uh, Josh Jacobs, 6,800. Man, there's just so many injuries at this point of the year. Also, we'll see if we get Melvin. Man, same thing with the Denver guys. Melvin Gordon, Javante, same price, yep. both 6,300. Yep. Like, they just like don't care about pricing anymore. They're just not even going to try. This is interesting. No. Um, Michael Carter, 58. Uh, after his failure against Jacksonville, maybe could see going back to him. But I mean, there just seems like there's so many different bodies in some of these backfields now i'm completely spooked off of um all the miami stuff so i'm glad that they're not on this slate anymore um i don't see anything else down here i think ronald jones and then some uh, potentially potentially p ryan would be the the salary savers for me but anything else at running back no i I do think we'll get one salary saver for sure probably two um so it'll be a fun slate come sunday are you paying up for Cooper Cup at 9,800? He's like the most expensive player on the slate. Uh, everyone wants to know Cooper Cup or Tyreek Hill. And by everyone, I mean me. Where are, you, where are you on that one? Yeah, I just don't think that you can avoid the the targets, dude. Cooper Cup is without a doubt uh, just, I think, leagues above any other wide receiver right now from a market share of target standpoint. I just don't know. Like, what I feel like I said this the last time I was on the show, but He's had one game of under double digit targets. One game. Mm-hmm. Wild. One game. And it was nine. It wasn't like it was like four. Yeah. It was nine. <laughs> so Dude, even like, just look at the catches, man. Like you're you're just like, all right, thirteen, eight, seven. Like eight and seven are like the dips. You know what I mean? Like a normal game is just like a casual ten to thirteen catches. Like just completely out of control, man. It's not like they're priced the same though. Mm-hmm. So that's true. You, I I think we we start to get into our heads about like oh, but I'm saving eleven hundred dollars. I don't know, finding eleven hundred somewhere else. I think like if you're gonna pay up for one of these riders, wide receivers, I just don't know. Like I I have lost an insane amount of money not playing Cooper Cup, and then like the times that I go play him when he's on oh, yeah. like a showdown slate or something like that, I I catch his seven for you catch the one where he doesn't score two touchdowns essentially yeah Yeah, that's rough uh we talked about the godwin stuff i I do want to see antonio brown's price antonio brown is 7k um so that's that's still like uh you're gonna have to make a decision at least at that range stefan diggs only 500 more deontay johnson only 400 more 
So uh, interested in that. Hunter Renfro all the way at 7,100 now. They finally decided to price him up a little bit. I like Jamar Chase at 7,100. I mentioned that matchup against Baltimore. Kind of stands out to me. Let's see where T's at. T is at 6,500. I'm interested in that also. One of the things I was looking at last week was we've kind of seen, like, the way that people think about T. Higgins, they're like, oh, he's the underneath guy, like around kind of the, the eight out of Boyd. That is not true at all. Like, and, and I know that Chase has been seeing a lot of deep targets, but T recently has been seeing deep targets as well. It actually has come a lot closer together than it was at other times of this year. So I like T. Higgins a lot at 6,500. We've really seen him turn it around uh, from the beginning of the year. I know that he just had three targets in the last one, but before that, like this is like a perfect spot where the role has kind of like gotten there for multiple weeks in a row and people are starting to believe he has the flop. The week after the flop is when to go back to the well, in my opinion. Anything else that yeah, that kind of stands I, out price wise? I like the Cincy guys, though. Are you in on that? Well, yeah, I'm definitely. You know, I I think you're you're onto something with the Cincinnati game in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't mind Mike here at 6600. Okay. Uh, a little bit of a letdown spot against the Chiefs recently, but like volume is still there i think two maybe three targets in the back of the i haven't looked at any of the game log stuff or any of the data i would i just happen to be watching this game at my my mother's birthday um through the window looking at the bar uh and and i feel like every time i was looking up mike williams was getting targeted and not catching the football Mm -hmm. but i do think he had i know he had at least one target in the end zone i think it was two uh, and those are just so valuable at $6,600. I mean, he could go six for 70 and two tutties because of the type of work that he gets. And if there's no Austin Eckler, they could be a little bit more inclined around around the end zone. I think that's mm-hmm. like total narrative, nothing to back that up. Like Roundtree and Kelly are still fine goal linebacks. Um, but like, I, I think Mike at 66 against Houston is not a bad spot. Yeah, I was just kind of looking at some of the targets just from uh, like this this past week because like I, I think I sometimes just forget that like things can change so like quickly, right? So even just like week fifteen, we know that Tyreek Hill had an absolute explosion, but man, Mark Andrews had thirteen targets. We'll get to tight end in a mm-hmm. second. Christian Kirk had twelve targets without nuke in there so some of these arizona guys we'll see um i don't believe they're on the main slate though so we don't have to worry about that um armand st brown 11 targets was like kind of like the the i guess the bring back a lot of people use in those arizona stacks so that definitely worked out um what else we got here i want to see if they're man what do, what do you make of the Gronk stuff as we kind of transition to tight end? Because he had 11 targets, only two catches in the last game. We know that it's basically going to be a ton of target share up for grabs, even with Antonio Brown coming back. you think Gronk can, uh, can rebound at all? Because they did not look good. I guess it's just like the offense did not look good at all either. Yeah, I wouldn't. I, I'm, I'm okay like throwing that as a wash. I mean, there was very some balls that he dropped that were very clear catches that were literally on him. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I'm... I'm actually like I'm I'm kind of in on Gronk and and I have been for a couple of weeks, especially in and some island game stuff or trying to be unique. Like people don't people are on they're they're hesitant to roster him. Mm-hmm. I think because they're still holding on to well one such a large market share of of targets to be dispersed in that offense and that is clearly going to get condensed in in week 16 I, like it it has to be condensed in week 16 i don't even i don't even care if evans is is active he could probably play a 70% snap share right mm-hmm. like with a hammy and like you never know so like i'm in on gronk um that you just especially if there's salary cap relief at the running back position i think this is a great way to, yeah. to maybe be a little bit different yeah, before we move on to the the rest of the tight end position, I want everyone to go ahead and pause this video, go to FanDuel.com slash Holka and join the listener league. Let's try and fill that thing up 
this week last week uh, was probably our lowest uh, amount of people in that thing so let's uh let's remedy that this week travis kelsey 7800 mark andrews is now the highest priced tight end on the slate baltimore at cincinnati we'll see if it's huntley again who just seems to love this guy man so do we actually like uh andrews more if huntley is playing uh versus lamar it seems like a crazy thing to say man but the target share has been crazy yeah target share has been absolutely insane uh i mean what 13 11 yep targets over the last two games so yeah dude it's just a he's he's not cheap uh and i i think cincinnati is pretty vulnerable against tight ends i think uh gosh who's who's the other team i think like the browns i think baltimore or no i think it's baltimore you can beat up with tight ends too okay. um see what Uzoma's like, I think, uzoma I think is actually, 5k yeah let me take a look was the last time that uzoma went off actually against baltimore I'll tell you right now 91 and 2 off of three catches <laughs> Yeah, dude. <laughs> That'll take that. I, I feel I feel like you can pick Baltimore apart a little bit. I should I should check the adjusted fantasy points allowed um to tight nice ends find. against Baltimore. But yeah, I I'm pretty sure you can. Nice find. Uh Travis Kelsey, seventy eight hundred. I mean, man, just the day it feels like the hours after everyone was just putting like that final nail on the Travis Kelsey like elite coffin, like he just goes out there and goes one ninety one and two. You know what I mean? Yes, dude. He absolutely ate against the Chargers. Yeah. Uh, it's so, so funny. Yeah. But yeah, look, that I mean, it's just this game is extremely volatile. So like take lock is so bad. It's it's Monday mm-hmm. at three in the afternoon. There's all this COVID stuff that, that's going to happen. Just like be fluid and be flexible. Yeah. Let's go ahead and uh, build the lineup, though, Hodge. But I mentioned that I had a surprise for you guys. Uh, I guess maybe not a surprise to everyone, but I want to remind everyone that we do have a second YouTube channel now. So make sure you guys subscribe to that when you get a chance. Link in the description. I'm going to be giving away a Justin Herbert rookie card once we hit 1K subs. We're getting dangerously closer, 750. This is a live ticker. So if anyone in the the crowd, the chat, whoever wants to subscribe right now, that'd be great because we'll see it. We'll see it move right right here. I always point the wrong direction. I don't know why I do that. Uh, 750. So uh, Hodge, who do you want to start with on this one? I, I know that um obviously very early in the week true first look lineup not something that we should be just jamming into contests on sunday but where do you want to start this week let's uh let's let's punt at quarterback uh or sorry let's pay down at quarterback and let's Mm -hmm. go with joe let's do it i like the joe burrow stuff so pretty easy decision for me i think just to try and get up uh to at least t because i think t is 6500 i think we could probably even double this if we wanted to let's double it it's early in the week. Let's let's throw both the high ADOT guys in this one and go with Chase as well because I think at 7,100, like I think most people are probably just going to play um, T. T or, yeah, and just try and get to Antonio Brown at 7K in this range. Like that's going to be the cool kid play this week, I feel like. So, yeah, I'm, I'm in on the double stack for these guys. Do we want to like pay down? Just, if we're not playing Antonio Brown, which we're probably not, do we want to just throw Rojo on this team? Uh, Yeah. Are, is that the most confident running back that you that you think? I'd say that Ronald from, Jones from at hunting. fifty at fifty four hundred is extremely cheap. No, no, no. I I agree as well. I just meant from a a injury designation standpoint. Is Probably. Fournette the one that you feel okay? Cool. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, I, the Mixon stuff. I haven't really looked into it a ton. Let's see what they were I mean, saying about Mixon because it's an ankle, which always like freaks me out. Um, yes. Practice status throughout the week appeared to suffer an ankle injury on the team's final drive. So yeah, we didn't even see him return after that. So I don't even. I haven't heard how no, bad that one yeah, is. Yeah, we saw. We, so. we saw nothing. Yeah. Um, no, I'm good. I'm good with Rojo. I think okay. Rojo's pretty talented anyway. So cool. Um, let's see. Cheaper defense here. We got Houston at home against the Chargers. They're the stone men. We have uh 
I, I don't know if we really want to run it back against Tom Brady. We got angry Tom this week, I would imagine. So yeah, angry uh, Tom for sure. Yeah. Uh, Minnesota pass attempts maybe on the other side in that one, just a high tempo game. If we're not going to have Stafford and a ton of Minnesota guys, maybe we go Vikings defense at 3,600 at home. Um, I'll go with that at home. Okay. Absolutely. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Pass attempts out of stop because we're not playing. We're not playing. Uh, yeah, we're not gonna have salary get to Cook and Jefferson Cooper. probably anyway. Yeah. So okay, yeah, so we got seventy five hundred. Or even Coop. Let's uh let's jam in one of these tight ends. Do you want to pay yeah, down for a- uh? A-K. Yeah. Nope. Uh-uh. We're going up. Nope, we're running it back. Well, <laughs> okay. we either run it back with uh with Hollywood, right. Andrews, yeah. or Bateman, and I just yeah. think. Andrews makes the most sense. Yeah, and we've already kind of punted enough to to make that one work. Uh, no issues yeah. with that. Uh, so we actually we're fine on salary seventy four hundred for a running back, wide receiver, and a flex. Is there any other guys that really stood out to you? Um, at the running back position, I think I, I would I, I would genuinely love to know what what McVeigh is going to do with these running backs. But yeah. now that we have Minnesota, it doesn't really matter. Sure. Um, you know, like could probably make a Robinson team work against the Jets too if we wanted to do that. I'm just I'm I'm curious like do we see David Montgomery get 20 touches again? You know, like I I don't know what yeah, talk the game looked like for him. No, he's $6600 though and he's he like a he's targets. like an 18 opportunity guy. Yeah. Like seven targets and I guess only 10 rush attempts but that's I mean that's one of his season lows, right? So if it ends up skewing back yeah. towards like 14 to 17 and we're going to get like five to six targets, like yeah, that's a really nice I mean, price 6600. Ga- this game environment is probably so super gross mm-hmm. like over under 12 total offensive snaps from from each team i'm not even kidding you. yeah that's I what i was gonna say so i think sig fun. brought it up too i think that if we don't get Lockett back in this one like dk metcalf could end up being really popular so we could go metcalf montgomery mini but then we're running right into this game environment that neither of us really like anyway yeah i don't know sixty six hundred dollars for the potential of like 18 opportunities still just seems really great and he's the goal and, and he's just goal line work too so yeah. like i don't know well, i mean fields is gets a little bit too but like watch, watch tonight we're recording this on monday everyone there's a five o'clock chicago game tonight he's gonna have 27 touches and yeah he's exactly. three touchdowns and he's gonna be the stone chalk on sunday yeah, good call <laughs> uh man metcalf 6700 so i might backtrack on that i think he's a pretty good price at that range like i guess we could play mike williams in that range if you prefer that but i kind of like the mini with uh metcalf and montgomery no, I'm, good. I'm good with metcalf okay so we're gonna do metcalf and demont yep and uh that gets us 9k so we could go one off tyreek if we believe uh we could go yep. dalvin with uh minnesota vikings defense so that's kind of where we're at one of those two who do you prefer between dalvin and tyreek to finish this one off um in in large large field tournaments i would probably just prefer Tyreek in smaller field tournaments I think I'll take Dalvin um, a little bit more stability in a lineup there and we're kind of a little volatile with David Montgomery so like I, I don't know I mean I just feel like uh, let's go Dalvin to get who... us the correlation just as a tiebreaker right and we, we yeah, know we just yeah. went completely nuclear the volumes back not a great matchup against the Rams but high tempo game let's get a piece of that Rams and Vikings game before uh before we get you out of here so uh Ryan Hotch everybody Follow him immediately on Twitter, please, at Ryan Hodge. Uh, best of luck this week, man. Hope you have a fantastic holiday. Man, we're almost we're almost there. We're almost to playoff time. The best late to the almost year, Almost to playoffs. Yeah. Yes, almost to the best time. Thanks for having me on, Joe. And uh, I'll catch you after the holidays, brother, and run good in week 16. That's all for today. Thanks again to Sig, Davis, and Hodge. We got our feet set for week 16. We've hopefully gotten over week 15, and it's been a great start to the week. A bit of an abbreviated schedule this week with the holidays, but we'll try and get out as many of the normal segments as possible, so stay tuned. <laughs>